You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back once again to Star Wars The Saga Continues, uh, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and uh, everything else related to the upcoming Star Wars films um, and all the other exciting projects in the Star Wars universe, video games, comics, all that good stuff. Um, This is already our 76th episode. We're moving right along here in June. This is our uh, third episode this month, and it's been quite a while since we've gone at that pace. But um, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. Yeah, like you said, it's been great getting these episodes out because a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And and I'm just counting the days now to celebration. You're, we're almost there. June's almost over. And Something tells me we're going to get a lot of cool Rogue One stuff at Celebration Europe, so I can't wait. Yeah, hopefully we're going to get all kinds of cool stuff related to you know everything in Star Wars, and I'm sure we are, because like you said, definitely Rogue One. Um, we know there's going to be video game stuff there. We know Rebels is going to be there, so um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have a, a pretty big episode with lots to talk about right after that. Um, in fact, what we're what we're going to try to do, um, and I know we just talked recently about how we're trying to get back on a, a bi-weekly schedule where we're um, you know recording new episodes, slightly shorter new episodes every couple of weeks, so that uh, you know we're recording like two hours every couple of weeks instead of like three and a half hours once a month or something like that. Um, as fun as those are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, we're going to just skip the first two weeks of July and then probably do back-to-back episodes at the end of July, like the last two weeks in July, because we've got um, Celebration Europe in the middle of July and then uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, the week after that. Now, I don't know how much Star Wars stuff we're going to get from Comic-Con because of, you know, celebration being right before that um so if there's not much star wars stuff from comic-con then we may just you know record a uh, a short episode after that or we might just skip it and you know just go back to doing one two weeks after celebration um especially because i'm sure we'll probably have have trouble sticking to our two-hour limit with the celebration episodes so, i know especially um, if we get what we're hoping to get <laughs> yeah definitely oh yeah if you're talking about a rogue one trailer we can fill more than two hours just dissecting a trailer you guys yeah. know us um <laughs> But anyway, uh, we'll so we'll get to that. Um, like I said, in the next you know month or so. Um, in the meantime, we have uh, 
quite a bit more Rogue One stuff to talk about on this episode. Um, no new trailers or footage or anything, but a lot of details and images that were recently uh, revealed through Entertainment Weekly. Um, but before we jump into that, um, Tim, obviously on our last episode, we talked a lot about E3 and the video games and stuff. Um, and we were both, you know, really looking forward to this new uh, Bespin uh, expansion for Star Wars Battlefront that has since been released. We've both gotten to spend a lot of time playing it. So um, before we get to talking about the movie stuff, uh, let's give some quick impressions. What do you think of the Bestman DLC so far? Yeah, man, I love it. When I'm able to get on, I love it. <laughs> That's the only knock I have on it. Sometimes it's still working out some server issues where it takes a while for you to get in a match and for the match to load. But once you're in there, man, it's a blast. It just looks so good. I can't say enough how beautiful those environments are. And there's a good variety in it, too. You got outside of uh, Cloud City, you got the interior, you get to go to the carbon freezing chamber, and then you get to fight a fight on a map where it's like, you know, the sun setting, the sky is red, you can see Slave 1 on the landing platform, this looks so good. So, yeah, I'm having a blast with it. I mean, I haven't done every mode on it yet, still haven't done our favorite, which is, uh, well, for you and me, it's Fighter Squadron, but <laughs> in our group of Drop Zone, I still haven't done that yet, which should be a lot of fun on those, mat on those maps. So, yeah, I'm real happy with it. I mean, I just want to play play into it more because like i said there's been some server issues where you get dropped out maybe it's the time i play because it's usually late so sometimes i can't find the matches you want but yeah once you get in there that's so much fun you get lost just how beautiful it looks i mean i just remember the first time we got on we played together it's like i just stood there for a second not even moving just looking around it's like whoa <laughs> this, this looks so gorgeous so yeah it's awesome yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, unfortunate that there have been some server communication issues and whatnot, and it's definitely not just you. Like, I think everyone that we've played with has been having these issues, myself included. I was just on last night, and I mean, it was pretty smooth for the most part, but then you kind of hit a point where suddenly, like, no one in the group is able to join a match or anything like that. And it seems like, and this was kind of the case with the default game too, but it seems like even more so now. Unfortunately, it seems like the, the bigger a group you play with, the more sort of unstable the connection is, um, which is unfortunate because, I mean, you know, we've got a group of like four or five friends that we play with, you know, usually at least once a week or so yeah. um, and have a blast on there. And, you know, it, like I was playing with our friend Brandon last night and it was a lot of fun playing with just the two of us. But I mean, sometimes we just have some epic matches where it's like, you know, the, all five of us on one team or something. Um, but at the same time, when we have those nights, inevitably somebody ends up getting kicked from the group or getting kicked from the match or having some kind of lag or, you know, communication issue or something. And since the, the Bespin DLC came out, that's only been even more exaggerated. Um, plus those maps take freaking forever to load. Yeah. Um, like you finish one match and you can get up, go to the bathroom, grab a drink, get something to eat switch over to the TV and, uh, you know, check the score of the baseball game and turn back in time for the next match to start. Um, but those nags and nitpicks aside, like you said, those, the new maps look absolutely beautiful. Um, the, from what I've gotten to play so far, cause I haven't unlocked everything yet, but the new weapons and the new star cards and power-ups and everything are all fun. Um, the new sabotage game mode, I've had a lot of fun with that. Um, yeah. And uh, also, yeah, just, I mean, playing all these, it seems like there's a lot more big, um, like big maps on Bespin. Whereas with um, 
the outer rim dlc it seemed kind of more focused on like close quarters and stuff um and you're there were a lot of maps with you know the hallways and jabba's palace and all that sort of thing um bespin it seems like is focused on kind of more wide open spaces and um you do have the the one uh carbon freezing chamber map where it's kind of some cluttered hallways and stuff and that we've had some really fun especially sabotage matches in there where you're all trying to get to those bombs and defuse them and everything um and it gets kind of chaotic in there especially at the end of those matches <laughs> we have to go to the landing or like the extraction point oh yeah um but then the uh just the big kind of the main i guess you'd call it the main map i don't know if there's a main map but the one that i seem to play on the most often usually because it seems like probably over half the time i've spent playing the cloud city dlc i've gotten either turning point or walker assault so playing that one big map where you uh you know do those matches um where it's just outside in the middle of the day and you see all the buildings around and stuff um i mean that one's a lot of fun but i think my favorite one is um the the administrator's palace which is the one you were talking about where it's got like the landing platforms and it's uh you know got a lot of outside walkways and stuff like that and it's just sort of you know red clouds at sunset all around you um looks beautiful and i mean you know the the scenery of the clouds and everything is beautiful but then the the hallways and you know the the interior of the map itself also looks really nice and just i've had a lot of really fun matches in there so that's probably my favorite one so far um but then the fighter squadron also just oh my goodness oh, man. <laughs> um not only is it gorgeous but i also like that like every match you play in cloud city is 16 on 16 um and fighter squadron is usually just 10 on 10 with then 10 enemy ships um and because of that like they doubled the the score count um for you to win a match so you get to play longer fighter squadron matches that aren't over as quickly with more actual people in there for you to fight against and alongside and i mean there have been some moments in there where i've been following somebody and trying to shoot them and they get away from me and i had you know don't even get the kill but in the process i just fly through like an epic dogfight where i'm just like yeah <laughs> kind of like only half paying attention to what i'm trying to shoot but just see you know all the other people you know and all the individual dogfights going on around me and seeing people get shot down and people you know coming to assist and shooting other people off their partner's tails and all this stuff and i'm just like man this is so freaking cool right now i know plus two you got more environments to deal with like the tabana gas containers that you can sometimes like lose sight of where you're going trying to evade some blast fire and you end up crashing into one of them (laughs) more stuff to look out for which makes it more chaotic and hectic which is always makes a fighter squadron mode more fun so yeah, yeah i couldn't agree with you more on that one yeah so obviously um like we said you know a few issues there but overall uh, i i think it's safe to say we're both very happy with that experience um can't wait to have some more fun with that also lego star wars the force awakens is out today um so if you're into the lego star wars games um that's definitely something you might want to check out i just got the game myself um haven't gotten to play it yet because obviously we're sitting here recording this and before we started um i just got home from work and the package had just come from amazon and all i got to do was pop it in my xbox and watch it say hey because i'm a current gen console game you have to install me off the disc and then download a two gigabyte update before you get to play um so i very much look forward to uh getting some time with that after we finish recording here that's it new console systems gotta go back to cartridge now no more of this loading and installing stuff yeah man (laughs) or yeah i don't know get some faster discs that they can just you know load stuff off the disc as you're playing and you don't have to pre-install everything yeah or yeah don't get me started on that why you still 
I'm sure there's a reason for it, but why you have to install the disc you have when yeah. it takes well, up the same amount of space that you can to di- buy it digitally. I, I think part of it is probably that, you know, they fit so much information on these discs now, but it's still like the same kind of disc and, you know, same disc readers and everything. It's like it would take a really long time to load if the game had to like stop and, you know, load everything off, off the disc and find out where all that information was. Um, that's just my guess. I mean, it, you know, maybe it's more accessible or allows you to load it faster if it's installed on the console itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's just sort of an unfortunate part of gaming these days, but, um, either way, like I said, it's installed now and, uh, I'm going to, jump on there and play some lego star wars as soon as we're done but before i can do that we've got a lot of rogue one stuff to talk about yes we do (laughs) um so yeah uh entertainment weekly did another one of these things where i think they've done this for the force awakens too where um you know they get a big scoop and you know a lot of new info that they get to reveal and uh of course it's all in their latest magazine issue but in order to promote that they release a bunch of stuff online like the week before and they're kind of slowly dripping it like every day there'll be one or two articles that come out or a handful of photos or something like that um and so now that week being over and us having all the uh the information released that we're going to get for now um let's dive into this and uh we'll talk about the first thing they released which was um the names of pretty much all the main characters for rogue one and some little character bios um along with you know pictures of them and all that kind of stuff um so we've got we'll just start at the beginning here um i mean we knew that felicity jones is going to be playing Jin urso um who it describes as a streetwise delinquent who's been on her own since 15 uh, she has fighting skills and a knowledge of the galactic underworld that the rebel alliance desperately needs um and then uh, you know they've got interviews with like kathleen kennedy and uh, gareth edwards and some of the other cast or cast and crew in here um, and Kathleen Kennedy says she's got a checkered past um, and she's been detained by the rebellion and is being given an opportunity to be useful. Um, and by being useful, it may commute her sentence. Uh, she's a real survivor and becomes kind of a Joan of Arc in the story, which I'm hoping that's not a spoiler because Joan yeah. of Arc died. <laughs> like, <laughs> But at the same time, I mean, I'm not expecting every main character in this movie to get killed off, but I'm definitely not expecting all of them or even most of them to make it out alive either um just because i mean we do know from the beginning of a new hope that the rebels have just won their first battle against the empire um so obviously they're going to be successful in their mission to steal the death star plans but at the same time um a these are characters in the original trilogy time period that we are never going to actually see in the original trilogy obviously um and B, you know, just knowing what they've said about the tone of this movie, about it being kind of a dark and gritty war movie and knowing the stakes that they're up against and the fact that, you know, Darth Vader and the Empire are after these guys, you know somebody's not going to make it. Totally. And plus, too, it makes you think if it takes place, you know, real close to A New Hope and we know part of Rogue One is going to be on Yavin. Wouldn't some of those members who stole the plans, if they survived and made it, were at Yavin (laughs) during the time when they make their attack run? On the Death Star, and of course, I mean, I'm just talking about in-universe canon, you know, not real-world mm-hmm. logistics of how you know it was filmed for 40 years before. So, but like in-universe, you would think some of those characters would be there for that big moment, the hard work they did to get those plans. If they did make it out, they'd want to be there for you know for when it comes to fruition, or maybe it's just you know it was such a rough time they want nothing to do with the rebellion after they completed their mission. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to these characters. And like you said, I agree probably going to be a good portion who make it and then a good portion that doesn't it's just you know 
matter of time before we find out like who is actually going to survive and who doesn't yeah um well tim you want to just uh trade off here you want to take the next uh character description sure yep we got captain cassian andor who's being played by diego luna who so i guess this is a confirmation he is not big (laughs) from way (laughs) back when we got that first image and i thought possibly could be kind of looks like him but uh he says he is by the book rebellion intelligence officer brought in to steady the volatile urso but he's not but he's no square he's committed steady and practical and has seen more than his share of combat and then uh, it goes on for more quotes from uh, Kiri Hart from the story group who says, he conveys a fair amount of experience and the reality of what it's like to do this every day and to try to figure out how to resist the Empire effectively and intelligently. So, and just finally it says where it's not an easy thing to do all that. So, looks like, you know, Diego Luna's character, Captain Cassian, is going to, you know, be bouncing off Jen Urso and her type of character more rebellious and he's there to keep her in check. So, it should make for, you know, kind of good character chemistry where they have for each other if, they, if it's done well it could be you know, like good back and forth between the both of them where they might not agree on a lot of stuff and their methods but probably by the end of the movie they'll have this mutual respect for each other and you know to get the job done so seems mm-hmm. like it's going to be a good counterpoint to Jin's character yeah in fact it's almost kind of sounding like maybe a little bit of an Obi-Wan Anakin relationship in a way mm. um, I mean I don't know how much Jin is going to be like Anakin but um, this guy Andor he definitely sounds like he's got some kind of obi-wan-esque qualities where um you know he's paired with the the kind of hot-headed more rough around the edges character that he has to sort of be a mentor to um and he's more uh by the book but at the same time he's not like totally rigid and you know he's definitely you know capable and um you know can think outside the box but is is um you know, so he's not like completely stuck in his ways, but is definitely sort of more traditional than this other character, the other character that he's with. Totally, um, you get a little impression that even in the trailer that we saw, where Jin's kind of mouthing off to Mon Mothma, the other officer there, he just has like that hands folded across his chest, it's like his head down, kind of giving her like a weird look, like eh, that's not how you do things or address like superior officers or something like that. So yeah. It's going to be one of those things probably once we first see them together, it's going to be a relationship that starts off on a rocky path. But, you know, in the end, it will come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, we've got Chirrut Imwe, uh, who's played by Donnie Yen. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Chirrut. Um, they've got a pronunciation right here. Uh, it says he's no Jedi, but he's devoted to their ways and uh, has used his spirituality to overcome his blindness and become a formidable warrior. Um, and then Kathleen Kennedy says, Chirrut falls into the category of being a warrior monk. He very much still believes in everything the Jedi were about. Um, he maintains that belief. Uh, he maintains that belief even though the Jedi are no longer there to protect the galaxy. Um, and Gareth Edwards says, this idea that magical beings are going to come and save us is going away, and it's up to normal everyday people to take a stand to stop evil from dominating the world. Um, so I think this is kind of a a cool um approach to this because obviously i mean the the force and the jedi and the light side and the dark side and everything is super essential to you know the core of what star wars is um and while i definitely think you can make a successful um you know a star wars spin-off film like this that's more focused on you know the nitty-gritty you know soldiers in the middle of a war without the jedi and the sith involved um i think this is a a cool way to still tie it to that mythology of the saga um especially for you know for people who aren't as familiar with some of the other star wars stories like us because i mean obviously for 
you know, being fans of like the Clone Wars and whatnot, we've seen plenty of episodes where it was just clones and there were, you know, not really any Jedi involved or anything. Um, but there, you know, there might be some people in the general audience who are like, hang on, this is Star Wars. Like there's supposed to be Jedi and stuff, right? Um, and so you, you kind of get to still bring a little bit of that in with this and just sort of reference that and be like, you know, see the, the, the influence that the Jedi have had on, on the people of the galaxy too and see that um, there are people like this who... Um, sort of want to follow those ways even though they don't have the force you know they weren't born gifted with force sensitivity they still um you know follow those teachings in those ways and so it'll be interesting to see um how he plays into the story i get the feeling this could be another one of those guys who doesn't make it out especially if he you know tries to uh be a jedi and take on darth vader or something like that <laughs> um especially being played by donnie yen you know he's gonna have some awesome fight scenes um so I don't know. This, this is definitely one of the characters I'm most excited to see. Um, just uh, you know, hope he doesn't think he has more force in him than he really does, and uh, try to do too much. Yeah, I got real excited when I read this description for him because I always kind of figured that he was going to be, you know, how he's described here as like a a monk who you know is at, at peace with himself, but you know knows how to fight and take care of himself. But when they revealed here that he's going to, you know, he's believes in the jedi system and in the force and all that that just adds a whole nother layer to it which i think is awesome and i don't know, kind of reminded me too about stuff we've uh, heard and read about of laura santec as someone who's not a jedi but believes in their ways and in the mm -hmm. force so he sounds like he's going to be probably more an experienced uh, fighter but similar to laura santeca and yeah like you said it's just great to have you know the force and the jedi just if, even if they're mentioned where he talks about like the old days of how it was in the old republic and how the jedi were guardians of peace and justice just you know to have that presence in a star wars movie like i said i feel is important even though it's not going to be the main focus and they still stay right here we're not going to see you know any jedi and how even in the quotes where gareth edwards says you know it's the idea that magical beings are going to come and save us and it's going away and it's up to normal people so even though that's the case to have that belief in the jedi and the force it's still going to be great to have one of those characters in that group that's going to be like that and like you said, Donnie Yen's going to have some awesome fight scenes. I mean, I don't think you hire an actor like Donnie Yen and just let that kind of go to waste. <laughs> I just saw <laughs> Well, they kind of did with the Kanji Club guys. Well, but... <laughs> good point. Good point yeah. <laughs> Dang it. I totally missed my opportunity there. Back up, back up. Say what you said again. Yeah, I don't think you'd use an actor like Donnie Yen and then let his talents go to waste. Tell that to Kanji Club. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You fixed it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, because I just saw It Man three like about a week or two ago, and uh, he was he was really great in that. And when I was watching this, go man, he's going to be awesome in Rogue One. And even if he's you know not going to have, I don't think we're going to get fight scenes quite like the It Man movies. But he just has a good presence about him in those movies, which according to this description for uh, Chirrut, it's going to be kind of similar to that. You know, as a wise, uh, as, again describing as a warrior monk, it's going to be you know a cool character to see play out in Rogue One. So I'm really excited more about Donnie Yen's character. Well, see, I'm calling him still you know like Donnie Yen's character, Diego Luna's character. I got to start saying the real names now. Yeah. They're out there. So Chirrut. Yeah. All right. You want to uh, move on to the next one? Yeah. So still, you know, someone, another pretty big reveal we got here where is Baz Malbus, which we knew about before, but it's in this article it says that he's going to be, you know, a companion to Chirrut, and it says that he's heavily armed, but he prefers a blaster to Hokie religions and ancient weapons, but is devoted to protecting his friend Chirrut at all costs. 
He understands Tarut's spiritual centeredness, but he doesn't necessarily support it. That's what Kathleen Kennedy says. And it says that he goes along with this force business because it's what his friend deeply believes. And it says it kind of describes them as their partnership, like uh, Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. So um, I wasn't expecting that for this character, Baz, because we, like we said, we know he was going to be someone who was, you know, had a lot of weapons in some of the in the trailer and those uh, that art book or that visual guide league that came out not too long ago. But we never knew he was going to be Chirrut's friend. So I like how you know it was going to be a little Han and Chewie there thing going there, and well. I compare it to Hanachui because their friends look like they're going to look out for one another. But what's going to be different about it is that one believes in the Force and the other doesn't. Where you know with Hanachui, it looks like none of them really <laughs> paid any attention to it. So again, it's going to be another cool dynamic between these two characters, kind of like we're talking about with Jin and Cassian. So uh, I'm excited to see both how these characters play out. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it once we get there. But there were some cool images with both of them, also. Yeah, for sure, and I I think in one of the articles that they posted on Entertainment Weekly, like I, I you know, they've got these descriptions here, but I think there was a longer article talking about these. Um, and I because I remember reading somewhere somebody mentioned something like um, these two characters, you know, Baze and Chirrut, um, they kind of based off the same pair of characters from uh in akira kurosawa film that george lucas based r2d2 and c3po off of um where you know you kind of see that in their relationship too where r2 is the one who's like i've got the death star plans we need to go find obi-wan kenobi and uh you know save the galaxy and c3po is like what are you talking about we'll have no more of this obi-wan kenobi gibberish and you know doesn't want to go along with it but at the same time you know just because he and r2 have been together for so long he sticks by him uh you know whether it's supportively or begrudgingly um but at the end of the day you know those two characters are inseparable and i I think it's gonna kind of be the same thing here where these two guys have totally different beliefs totally different fighting styles and you know ways of going about things but at the end of the day you know they're thick as thieves together so um i think that's going to be a really cool partnership to see i think we'll probably get some really good comedy from the two of them yeah Um, You know, that seems like a a good uh, opportunity for comic relief there. But at the same time, I think they're probably both going to kick some serious butt, too. Totally. Yeah, that's interesting because we both brought up different examples of, you know, pairs in Star Wars. I thought it was more going to be Han and Chewie. You're saying it's going to be more of the R2 and 3PO's. I think it's probably in in the end going to be a mixture of both because I think they're going to have, you know, the battle hardened attitude like Han and Chewie had. But like you said, you made some good points with how R2 and 3PO interacted with each other without yeah. the movie. So. Yeah, just in terms of like the dynamic between the two mm-hmm. of them. Because Han and Chewie, obviously, you know, they get into a lot of action and stuff. But Chewie is always right there by Han's side. Um, and, you know, just pretty aside from the occasional, uh, you know, laugh it up fuzzball or anything, you, you never really see them disagree on much. Um, so I think these two will have a, a bigger difference in ideologies. But yeah, it's, it certainly is... Um, as far as the action scenes and as far as just seeing them together a lot. And like you said, just sort of being, um, you know, I mean, maybe they'll be good enough to become another, you know, iconic pair in Star Wars like those two. Yeah, just put them right up there with Han and Chewie, R2-3PO, Ray and Finn now, Poe and Finn. So if they could reach those levels, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Um, all right, whose turn is it? Mine? Yeah, it's yours. Yeah, okay. Um, so then we've got uh, Bodhi Rook, uh, who's played by Riz Ahmed. Um, and this is going to be our uh, our ace rebel pilot in this, uh, this installment. Um, it says, Bodhi is this rebel squad's lead pilot. He tends to be hot-headed, but any abrasiveness is overshadowed by his skills in the air and in the void of space. 
Uh, he flies a lot of cargo um, is one of his key jobs, uh, says Kathleen Kennedy, and he tends to be a little tense, a little volatile, but every in the group, everybody in the group really relies on his technical skills. Um, so it kind of makes it sounds like he's maybe less of a fighter pilot and more of um, maybe more the Han Solo of this group, really, because, uh, you know, it talks about him flying cargo and, uh, you know, by everybody else relying on his his technical skills, it sounds like, you know, he's maybe going to be like the getaway driver or the one, you know, flying the the team to and from locations. Um, but definitely hoping to see, you know, some more cool, you know, whether it be space battles or aerial dogfights or anything like that. Um, I'm not expecting this guy to be as cool as Poe Dameron, but if he can get up there, then more power to him. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what he can do in the air. <laughs> yeah. Just see how good he actually is. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like a fun character but to be honest out of everyone and the details that were revealed about him this was the one character who didn't get me you know like super excited or pumped up you know nothing against them or the actor playing Bodhi but this you gotta have a least favorite out of everything and right now so far Bodhi Rook is like the character I'm least excited about right now but uh, we'll see it could surprise me and maybe end up being one of my favorites by the time I see the movie mm-hmm. but after uh, Bodhi probably a character I think a lot of people are going to be excited for is K2SO, which is the new joy that's going to be played by Alan Tudyk. And he's described as the antithesis of C-3PO. In other words, he's tough, confident, and not especially interested in human-cyborg relations. And pretty much saying like he's the complete opposite of a neurotic fuss budget. (laughs) I wonder if they meant to say bucket. I know. I was going to say bucket. What is a fuss budget? budget? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's the same we kind of connected to a moof milker or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm thinking that's like what C-3PO turns into when you put him in charge of your money. Then he fusses about the budget. (laughs) There you go. He's a finance droid. (laughs) Uh, He also says that uh, K2 is a little bit like Chewbacca's personality in a droid's body. Mm -hmm. Uh, He doesn't give a blank about what you think. He doesn't fully check himself before he says things and does things. He just speaks the truth. And like Jin, he's also seeking a bit of redemption for past wrongs. And I like how it says here, too, at the end of this uh, paragraph, like, droids, too, can have regret. So I find that very interesting and fascinating with this droid. And, you know, we kind of re- learned before that he was going to be an imperial droid who changes side and goes to the rebellion. So just the fact that the droid can have regret, you know, to whatever he did in the Empire and then wanted to help the rebellion. But yet, you know, still kind of having, you know, a more tougher attitude and the... <laughs> Again, I just can't help but think of HK-47 when I read mm-hmm. the script it's from. So it looks like we're going to get the canon version of HK-47 in this movie. And I, I, a lot of fun. I really hope so. You know, if not the canon version, then at least like the spiritual successor. Yeah. Um, because again, yeah, the, the fact that he just has no filter on his mouth, that he, um, you know, is, is blunt and doesn't care about people's feelings, but then also the fact that he kind of has a shady past like HK-47 did, although he never really expressed regret for it. Um, That's true. I, I think the only thing he ever expressed regret for was, you know, people that he failed to kill or something like that. <laughs> um but yeah, and I think this is going to be hopefully another great opportunity for comic relief, but the more sort of darkly humorous, you know, sarcastic remarks and that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, that's the the type of humor that I love, especially from a droid. So um, I'm just like, man, yeah, let this guy let loose on people. Um, yeah, it also reminds me a little bit, too, of I'm blanking on his name right now, but the protocol droid in the Darth Vader comic, who was, you know, he's with Darth Vader and Dr. Afra. He was kind of a little similar personality where all he cared about was, you know, he's a more evil droid to, to say the least, but 
again, if if he was a droid that was working with the Empire, he can have maybe some of those qualities that we saw in that Protocol droid in that Darth Vader comic, but just not as extreme because <laughs> that droid, all he wants to do is kill organics <laughs> no matter <laughs> what the situation is. So I wonder if we'll get a little bit of that vibe with him too. Yeah, I really hope he calls somebody a meat bag. Yeah. <laughs> that will just make my day. Yeah, hopefully someone in the story group knows about that. Like, let's put that little Easter egg in there for the fans. And I <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure they do. Um, so anyway, let's move on to the next one. And we get the mysterious Galen Erso, uh, played by Mads Mikkelsen. Um, worth noting here that he's the only character that they don't provide a picture of um, in costume. They just have a picture of Mads Mikkelsen here. And we were talking about this before we started recording. It's like... Well, they give us his name and a description here, so it's not like we're going to recognize him as, you know, secretly being a character that we've seen before or something. So I wonder why they're not revealing what he looks like. I know. Um, Is he going to be, like, maybe severely, like, disfigured or something? Have some robotics on his face? or Maybe. I don't know. I'm also thinking it might be kind of a Luke Skywalker scenario where we know who he's playing and who the character is, but maybe people spend the majority of the movie looking for him and just finding his character is a reveal towards the end of the movie. And so maybe they just don't want to show what he's going to look like yet. Um, yeah, maybe. Or should we start the he's Snoke rumors now? <laughs> 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 Got no picture of him. So he must obviously be Snoke because they're saving that. Yeah. Did, uh, did, I don't know if we talked about this before. I'll I'll keep this brief, but I mean, if you listen to uh, the panel at the end of our last episode where Jason and Joey and I were talking about uh, The Force Awakens and stuff at Phoenix Comic Con, um, Joey was throwing out some Plagueis rumors that I hadn't even heard, but there were people thinking that he was Tarkin or you know, the, <laughs> yeah, inqu- I never heard that. the Inquisitor from Star Wars Rebels. Um, we'd heard the, like, I'd heard the Palpatine rumor and I was like, that's just dumb. Um, and I think I made a quip at one point because, you know, there's Tarkin and then the Emperor and then the Inquisitor. I was like, what? So apparently the, the qualification to be, you know, rumored to uh, be the, the real identity of Snoke is that you just have to be an Imperial who died in the fiery explosion of you know the <laughs> reactor of some Imperial super weapon. Because um, the the Inquisitor died in the Star Destroyer explosion, Tarkin died in the first Death Star, the Pal- Palpatine blew up in the second Death Star, and then the second Death Star blew up. Like, none of those guys are coming back. Uh, now we got to see if something like that happens to Galen or so in this movie. <laughs> it could. Um, but anyway, let me read the description here. It says, uh, Jin's estranged father is like the galactic version of nuclear pioneer J. Robert Oppenheimer with doomsday knowledge that is sought by both the Empire and the Rebellion. Uh, he's one of those people that is that has insight into specific aspects of just how the universe works, uh, says Kiri Hart. Um where has Galen been if Jin has been on her own for years? The circumstances of how the family got into the state that it's in is something that we probably don't want to share right now. Um, and uh, it's his Lucasfilm isn't revealing his image yet, so this is the the file picture. Don't worry, the button down isn't retro galactic fashion. Um, <laughs> so yeah, definitely a character that they're keeping under wraps for now. Um, and again, even though they're telling us who he is... Um, I think there's definitely going to be some mysterious stuff revealed about him throughout the course of the movie. Um, so we'll just kind of have to see what that is when we get to it. Yeah, and I like that story. I mean, we've heard of this rumor about uh, Galen Erso way back when we found out he was going to be Jin's father and someone, you know, who could be central in the construction of the Death Star. And reading this now just kind of made me think how he's being sought by both the Empire and the Rebellion, where... The, 
it know it has something to do with the Death Star. So I'm thinking, what if he's the one who, you know, really figured out how to harness the kyber crystals into a laser beam? Like, he was the only one who was able to do that and has that knowledge in order to harness that power. And that's, you know, the final ingredient that's needed for the Death Star and why they want to get him. So, I don't know. Could Maybe it's that. could be something else. But I, I do like these stories where there's someone out there that two opposing side is after and it's for, you know, construction of a deadly weapon. So it should make, you know, not only it's an interesting character for him on his own, but his relationship to Jin and the situation that's going to put her in. So it should make for some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely think, I mean, you know, my sort of, uh, what I would draw from this so far as a conclusion would just basically be that he was probably an Imperial scientist, maybe the, maybe the top Imperial scientist working on the death star project, um, and, you know, of course, was away from home all the time. And that's why Jin grew up without a father. Um, and then he, you know, maybe grew a conscience at some point and walked away and decided, you know, hey, I don't want to be a part of building this thing that's going to blow up planets. And the Empire was like, well, fine, you already helped us build enough that we can just finish it without you. Um, and now maybe they're, you know, really close to completing it. And, uh, but, you know, maybe something isn't working right. They need sort of one final piece to fall into place. And they're trying to find him to, you know, force him to tell them what that is or help them fix whatever this issue is. And at the same time, the rebels are like, no, please come to our side and, you know, help tell us how to stop this thing from blowing up our planets. See, I also think, too, it could be a situation where maybe he was never part of the Empire, but they knew he was somebody they need to get this station operational. So they kidnapped him, like out against his will, brought him to the Death Star, having him work on it, and maybe, like, the one final thing, maybe it is the laser beam that's from the Kyber Crystal that he didn't complete yet, and he was a deserter, he left him, so now both the Rebellion and the Empire are on the run, looking for him, the Rebellion to keep him out of the Empire's hands, and the Empire wants him to finish what he was brought in to do, so I think it'd kind of be more interesting if he was, like, taken against his will and being forced to work on the Death Star, so... Um, at first, when we got these early rumors and descriptions, I was kind of thinking what you were saying, how he probably w maybe was with the Empire. But now that I think about it, I'm kind of hoping it's uh, the latter where I said, uh, or the former, I should say, where he's, you know, there against his will and being forced to develop the Death Star. Yeah, possibly. Um, but I think that would kind of imply that he's already part of the Empire and they make it sound like, you know, both sides are maybe trying to find him or like seeking out his help. Um but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yep. So, uh, like you said, I did find it funny how it was, he was the only one in that picture with like, it's like a button down shirt. And I, even before that article said that, where no, this isn't you know the new fashion or retro style in the Star Wars universe. I was just thinking that to myself. What if that is like a look in the Star Wars galaxy? <laughs> yeah. Would they actually get away with that? But no, we don't have to worry about it. But next up is the main villain that we're going to have in the movie, which is going to be played by Ben Mendelsohn, and his name is director Orson Krennic. And uh, he's being described here as, uh, well, the first paragraph here captures me right away because it says, he intends to use a squad of death troopers to pulverize the rebel uprising and ascent of the emperor's graces, while hopefully avoiding the wrath of his enforcer, Darth Vader. And then John Knoll says about him that the bad guy is a lot more terrifying when he's really smart and really effective. There's a lot of palace intrigue going on in the Empire, with people conspiring to move up in the ranks and sabotaging each other. There's not a lot of loyalty there. So, yeah, we knew he was going to be a high-rank Imperial officer when we first saw him in the trailer, but it seems I like, too, how it seems like the Death Troopers might be like a squad that's just assigned to him, which is going to make them more unique. But again, just hearing that it, there's going to be tension between him and 
Darth Vader or just him knowing Darth Vader's looming over his shoulder if he doesn't succeed what he has to do. And of course, you know, he wants to make sure he gets those or stops the rebels from getting those Death Stars plans to impress the Emperor. So a lot of cool stuff surrounding Orson Krennic. So it looks like, you know, we know Vader's going to be in it. He's, we're going to talk about more of him later, how, what his role is going to be. But pretty safe to say that Orson Krennic is going to be, you know, the main bad guy of this film. And he's sounding like he can be someone who's, uh, I don't know if I would necessarily say totally unique to Star Wars, but someone I think different enough who could, you know, have his own place in the Star Wars galaxy and in this set of movies too that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think from some other information that they released in one of these articles too, um, they said somewhere that he's going to be a different type of Imperial officer that we haven't really seen before because you think of um, Tarkin as sort of the archetype of Imperial officers where they're you know, you think of them as being like stoic and they all have British accents and they're all very calm and collected and, you know, you know, sort of arrogant and, you know, sort of high class. You know, you imagine these all being like, you know, rich guys with polite attitudes, but at the same time, they're evil and want to kill people. Um, but this uh, Krennic guy sounds like he's going to be a bit more of uh, I don't know if loose cannon would be the term, but he's definitely not as kind of stoic as Tarkin. Um, they said, you know, he, he might be a little bit more hot tempered. Um, so I'm almost imagining like Kylo Ren in Imperial officer form, um, you know, sort of, sort of how Kylo Ren was, uh, like a, a younger, um, much more hot tempered Darth Vader. Um, this guy might be kind of similar in a way for Imperial officers. I mean, I think he'll definitely be, you know, still older and more mature, but, you know, we might see him, you know, snap and go off at somebody or something like that. So, um, you know, good to know we'll be getting to see more faces around the Empire and, uh, you know, just sort of different uh, personalities, I guess, of some of these different officers and that they're not all like Tarkin. Yeah, and I can already see his fate playing out in the movie. I don't think he's going to survive an encounter with Darth Vader. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Go out. <laughs> uh, but should hopefully make for a very cool moment with Darth Vader. Yeah, well, I mean, any moment with Darth Vader. They could have Darth very Vader true. reading a phone book and it would be yeah. cool. <laughs> Very, very true. As long as he's reading it out loud and we get to hear James Earl Jones. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess I, I drew the lucky stick and I get to talk about the last character here. Um, <laughs> we we got the reveal of Forrest Whitaker's character, who, surprise, is somebody we've seen before. This is Saw Gerrera, um, the, uh, one of the rebel leaders on Onderon from that arc in the Clone Wars. Um, and, man, this is something I did not see coming, but I think is super cool um it says this character has a past that star wars completionists will recognize immediately when they see his name even if he looks very different than the way they've seen him before um he even looks different from when we saw him in the teaser trailer uh in these new images they've released he's got a full head of hair where uh when we saw him in the first teaser trailer he was bald um which could possibly be something that they're adding in the reshoots um or they could be doing it digitally i mean if you haven't looked at the uh, the behind the scenes footage on the force awakens documentaries and stuff they completely changed leia's hair in post-production um because in all the the behind the scenes cl- uh, clips of them filming her scenes she's got a different hairstyle that she doesn't have in the finished movie um so anyway um and you know that makes me wonder too if this was like something they intended from the beginning or if they had already started shooting rogue one and then went, hey you know it'd be really cool if we made this guy saw Guerrero from the clone wars and then they went back and changed some stuff um but anyway it says there's so much to say about this character we're going to break it down uh break it out a separate what is it 
break out a separate on him missing something in this article here uh, but anyway <laughs> they they did release a separate article uh later that day um just detailing the history of saw Gerrera and you know what we saw him go through in the clone wars and uh the fact that um you know kathleen kennedy and everybody in this article is talking about how they wanted to show that there are sort of disparate rebel factions at this point um and that the threat of the death star is really what unites them uh finally under one banner and you know gets them to work together but that um saw Gerrera is kind of an extremist and that he leads uh sort of the faction of the rebel alliance that is willing to go to extreme measures to fight the empire that some of the other rebels you know aren't even necessarily comfortable with um so that should be really interesting to see how that plays out um especially you know just knowing the the gravitas that uh forrest whitaker is going to bring to that role and knowing his past on the clone wars too i mean seeing what the separatists did to his planet and the death of his sister and everything and you fast forward 15 20 years and yeah i can definitely see this guy being some kind of extremist rebel leader who um you know, on the one hand is still fighting the good fight and fighting the Empire, but at the same time maybe has kind of lost perspective a little bit and is willing to, you know, go maybe too far. Um, they even mention here, like, some of the, uh, you know, some of the rebels aren't even sure if he's, you know, a good guy or a bad guy. So um, I think he is going to be obviously a really interesting character, a really intriguing part of the story. And also, I just think it's really cool that this is the first time we're going to see an original character from one of the animated series brought into a live action film. So, I mean, super cool to uh, be seeing this going on. Yeah, man, I was really, really excited when this got announced. I mean, they teased it when they were, you know, having these character breakdowns, uh, like in the first article they posted on there is like, we can't, tell you who he is yet but stay tuned we're gonna find out so until then I'm just like speculating guessing man who could it be and then when it was Saw Gerrera it was like ah, it makes perfect sense and that night I went back and watched the, the Onderon arc and then right after that I watched the teaser trailer for Rogue One and it just for me anyway it seems perfect where it feels like the same character where in his dialogue in Rogue One how you can see Saw Gerrera say that and I saw a tweet about it. It was a retweet. Uh, sorry that I, I don't remember who actually did it, but someone posted images of Saw Gerrera from those Onderon episodes and with the dialogue from uh, Forrest, from Saw in Rogue One where it says, what would they do when they catch you? And there's a picture, you know, Saw being captured uh, by the Separatists and then what would they do when they break you? And we see an image of him being electrocuted and tortured while he's captured. So the things he's saying in Rogue One just ready to have reference for in the Onderon arc, but I'm sure, you know, he's been through many battles since then, which is going to shape his character to how he is in Rogue One. But I think it's such a natural progression and uh, just so cool, like you said, that a character from the Clone Wars who was, you know, well, later in the article, it was revealed that he was created for the Star Wars uh, live action show that George Lucas was developing, but when that didn't uh, materialize, George Lucas saved him and used him for the Clone Wars and Onderon. So, but a character that was created specifically for an animated series, but no intention of using him later on for any of the movies, is now making his way to a live-action Star Wars film, and I just can't wait to see that. And hopefully, it's you know, the first of many animated characters we've been introduced to who will hopefully get to shine on the big screen one day. But yeah, I can't wait. He's probably my most anticipated character now to see in Rogue One. And again, probably going to be some wishful thinking here, but. Just the fact that there's someone who was there, fought in the Clone Wars, fought with Anakin, fought with 
uh, Captain Rex or trained with those two, but fought with Ahsoka. And I don't know if we'll get any name drops, but it'd be kind of awesome if we get some references like how he was trained. We said some dialogue where it's like if he sees a bunch of rookie rebels and he makes comparisons like uh, I've trained with the best or like I would train with Jedi, something like to that effect to make Clone Wars fans geek out even a little more because you would know what he's talking about. So I just think it's such a brilliant move and I'm glad because in the article it was saying how they needed a character that was like that and the story group realized you know we already have someone like this in the clone wars why don't we bring him into the story and i'm glad everyone agreed on it and made it work and i had something i was going to bring out but i lost my train of thought right there some uh was solved i'm sure i'll get it back uh eventually but i'm just super excited that you know this is the first step towards that and you know hopefully we're going to get more and uh, oh, that's, I know what I was going to say. We're, again, going into shaping Saw's character to how he'll be in Rogue One and being described as an extremist. Besides, you know, getting hints of that in the Onderon arc, it's cool that he's been name-dropped recently in several other Star Wars canon stuff. Especially mm, yeah. Recently, we got it in Rebels, where Agent Callus was telling Zeb, you know, uh, how his uh, platoon was executed kind of brutally it sounded like by Saul Guerrero and his rebels so there's an example there and then in Bloodline he got a mention there of being sort of someone who's really extreme and not you know the best part of the rebellion's past so that stuff with Onderon and this already what we've heard and seen of him in the trailer because he looks like a battle-hardened fighter in the Rogue One trailer someone who's been through a lot so everything's shaping up real nicely and seamlessly to make you believe that Saul Guerrero you see in the Clone Wars is, is the same character that you're going to see in Rogue One, just much older. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he seems like he's following along in the Obi-Wan Kenobi tradition of characters who seem to age about 30 years in the <laughs> 19 years between Revenge yeah. <laughs> of the Sith and uh, A New Hope. Um, I read somewhere in one of these articles, they said, you know, that like more than two decades have passed since the Clone Wars. I was like, uh, that's not accurate. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be 19 years in between. I mean, maybe about two decades since we saw saw in the Clone Wars because um, that was before Episode Three, obviously. Yeah. But still, I mean, watching that arc, I'll have to, I'll have to go back and rewatch it again. But I always, I, I just kind of assumed that uh, Saw and his sister Stila that they were, you know, maybe like in their 20s. Um, you can maybe stretch it where he could be like 30, very early 30s. Yeah. Like 50, but. <laughs> yeah. And, but I mean, Forrest Whitaker is like 54. And uh, definitely, you know, you see he's got a lot of graying hair and gray in his beard and everything here. But um, I mean, you can kind of just attribute it to the fact, though, that if he's been fighting the Empire this whole time, um, certainly, like you said, he, he looks like a. a tough grizzled battle-hardened veteran who's been through a lot um and i'm sure that takes a lot out of you and you know puts a lot of stress on your body and everything so um that's not gonna not that's not something i'm gonna get too hung up on because i mean a he looks awesome uh just from this picture they've revealed of him here and b i mean like we said i just think it's so cool that they've you know pulled a character from the clone wars like this to put into um live action and i think I'm almost glad that it's not like Ahsoka or Cad Bane or one of the big fan favorite characters because as, as awesome as it would be to see those characters like come into live action and get their own spinoff film, um, the fact that they plucked you know a, a relatively minor character 
from the Clone Wars and, uh, you know, they're, they're just bringing him in as a supporting character in Rogue One that shows, you know, how much attention to detail they're paying to this universe, that it's not all about, you know, just the main characters and the Skywalkers and, you know, Ahsoka and Rex aren't the only characters in the Clone Wars that matter, um, that, you know, even though, uh, you know, Saw Gerrera was only in four episodes of the Clone Wars, you know, the, the fact that he's there, he's a part of the canon, and that he's a character that just fits well for what they're trying to do in this story, um, you know, it, it just seems to fit really well, and I mean, I think they're doing this the right way, too, because in in some cases, I could also see where, I mean, if they, I don't know, if they picked a character from Rebels to, like, play a minor role in this or something, it might just kind of seem like they're trying too hard to, like, force characters into different stories and stuff, but I don't know, this, this just feels like a totally natural progression, um, and, you know, when when uh, this news came out, I wasn't like flipping out like, oh man, that's so awesome. I was just like, wow, that's really cool and unexpected. Um, like if you told me that there was going to be a, a live action Clone Wars character in Rogue One, I never would have guessed Saw Gerrera. If you told me that Forrest Whitaker was playing that character, it still probably would have taken me a while to guess Saw Gerrera. Um, but, you know, again, now that they've revealed that, it's just like, wow, that makes perfect sense. And it's really cool. So I really like the way they did that. Yep. I know it's kind of something, too, where I even I noticed the day it was revealed where us diehard fans and especially fans of the Clone Wars were, at least I will speak for me personally, but I saw some excitement. But this was the most exciting thing of the day. And this is the day we got Darth Vader was going to be confirmed to be in the movie. And I'm sure that got tampered a bit because we've heard so much about it. And it wasn't a huge, huge surprise. But on the day we get revealed that Darth Vader is going to be in Rogue One and Saw Gerrera was going to be in Rogue One, actually was more excited about Saw Gerrera being it because it's something we've never seen happen in Star Wars and I've seen some people say well we've had it with Boba Fett and Grievous it's like no they were always intended for the movies but they just got their first appearance in an animated series exactly so this is you know someone created just for the animated series and now being plucked from there to be in a movie so I was really excited for it and I just love when Star Wars gets more connectivity with you know the TV shows the books comics and all that so I just love it when it all comes together like this yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, speaking of Darth Vader, um, like you said, this wasn't a huge surprise. I, I was kind of surprised that they revealed this this early. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if we went into the movie without any official confirmation, I would still be fully expecting Darth Vader to make an appearance at some point. Mm -hmm. um, although also speaking of connecting to the animated shows and stuff, um I, I had a thought while you were talking about, you know, Saw Gerrera and Clone Wars characters and all that kind of stuff, and I just thought, I know this is unlikely, especially because Rogue One is probably going to take place like a, a year or two after, you know, the most recent events of Rebels, but how cool would it be if when we see Darth Vader in this movie, if he either has, like, still has, like, some residual damage to his helmet from his battle with Ahsoka. <laughs> like, if you still see, you know, basically, like, a, a, a scar line or something on his helmet from where he's repaired it. Or if, like, the first time you see him in the movie, maybe he's got his helmet off. And we don't see his face, but just, like, see him from behind as he's repairing his helmet or something like that. Um and then, yeah. you know, for, for all the casual fans, it would just be like, oh, he's fixing his helmet after something. And, you know, all us diehard fans would be like, we know what that's from. <laughs> Man, I know. That would be awesome to see that. I Unfortunately, like you said, it's probably going to be something where, you know, we don't know exactly the time frame on everything. 
from Rebels to this, but it's probably safe to assume by then he would have gotten a new helmet or <laughs> repaired it, but that would be awesome if we saw something like that. And you just got me thinking, too, now that you mentioned it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Saw Gerrera in an episode of Rebels before the movie comes out. Mm. Because we know Gary Wood is writing an episode for season three, and I think it's safe to assume, or I'd like to assume, that it would be an episode that would have some Rogue One ties before the movie comes out. So I can see them doing something with Saw, because, you know, he's already in Clone Wars and animated series. It makes sense to, you know, show him again in Rebels and maybe just add a little more insight to where his character is at in Rogue One. So I wouldn't, uh, you know, think that's an impossibility to see Saw again in animated form, too. Oh, yeah, I don't think so either. In fact, I don't think that I had heard that Gary Whitta is writing a, uh, a Rebels episode, but... Now knowing that, like, I would bet that it's probably going to be related to Rogue One somehow. And I would think we'll probably see at least one of the characters, whether it's Saw Gerrera or Cassian Andor or even, you know, Mon Mothma, maybe. Yeah, um, but I, I think we'll see some Rogue One character introduced in that movie. And, you know, some maybe I don't know if it would be some lead into that movie unless it's like the season three finale. But, um, you know, maybe something setting up like a character arc or something for the movie. Um, that'll be, you know, a nice little nod for uh, Rebels fans who've seen that before. Exactly, because you just know they're going to want to do some little tie-in for Rebels and Rogue One. Mm -hmm. It's such a perfect opportunity. And again, going back to that first uh, reveal panel at Celebration Anaheim, where they said that, yes, we are aware that Rebels and Rogue One are pretty close in the timeline. So it sounds like they already had some ideas cooking then about, you know, having some type of, uh, I don't want to say, cross-promotion type thing, but something to tie in more with the release of uh, Rogue One for Rebels. Because mm -hmm. to me, it just seems like a wasted opportunity not to do so. Because yeah. how often you can have a show that's in the same time period of a movie that's coming out, knowing how all the different uh, movies that are going to be taking place at different points of the Star Wars saga. And then until we get, you know, a new animated series that's taking place in the sequel trilogy timeline, <laughs> all we have right now is just in the you know, the dark times era before the new hope. So it's such a perfect opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, I, I think that's, it makes too much sense for them not to do that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to Vader, um, see how excited we are about all this other new stuff. And it's like Darth, Darth Vader. Yeah. We knew he was going to be in here. <laughs> it feels wrong in a way to kind of, you know, put pushing him aside, like not the big thing <laughs> from all this, but I know, but like at the same time, I mean, I, I still remember, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I, I vividly remember the night that I was just like standing in my room, probably about to go to bed. And I was, yeah, it was like after some very early rogue one stuff had been announced. Um, and I was thinking about the movie and then it just kind of hit me like, oh my gosh, like in between episode three and four dealing with the Death Star and stuff, we're going to get to see Vader again. Um, <laughs> and from that point on, it was just like, we may, we may not, you know, we haven't gotten official confirmation, but like, how could they leave Vader out of this? Like, it's just too perfect an opportunity. Um, but anyway, so we did finally get official confirmation. Darth Vader will be in this movie. We don't know exactly how much, but Kathleen Kennedy does say here, uh, he'll be in the movie sparingly, but at a key strategic moment, he is going to loom large. Um, which that gets me excited. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, it's going through my mind, like what that could be. Maybe it'll be something like the space battle in rebels where we get to see him, you know, show off his piloting skills again. Like I said, maybe Chirrut is gonna, you know, try to take him on in a fight thinking that he can, you know, carry on the Jedi torch and Vader's going to put an end to that tragically and quickly. Um, 
it could also very well be, you know, him executing, uh, you know, Krennic um, or something like that. But I, I would think that would be sort of more towards the end of the movie. I don't know that that would be that key strategic moment. I think this would be after the rebels have gotten away with the Death Star plans and um, there's some, you know, residual force choking that needs to go on. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm intrigued by that line. At a key strategic moment, he's going to loom large. And it makes me think where... Is he gonna like loom large? It's kind of like a shadowy figure that's over the head of Krennic, where Krennic's really pressed to get those Death Star plans back and to stop the rebels because he knows Vader is looming over his shoulder and it's gonna mean his death if he doesn't. Or is you know Vader gonna be the one to go down there and take on the rebels? So I'm kind of torn in thinking of what actually this uh, big moment's gonna be for him. Is it gonna be him against the rebels? But now I'm kind of thinking it might be him against Krennic, or maybe he'll. I don't know. Vader takes out Krennic and his Death Troopers. Maybe that's where his action sequence is going to be. So that also could very well be. I mean, maybe Krennic just gets tired of Vader pushing him around um, and decides, you know, hey, I've got these Death Troopers, and uh, you know, let me let me throw a coup. I mean, they did mention yeah. that there's a lot of backstabbing going on in the Empire and people trying to climb up ranks and stuff. Um, and they mentioned somewhere too that you know the Empire in general. Um, like not everybody's even aware of Vader. Like you know, all the the basic stormtroopers, like they've never met this guy. He's he's almost more like a, a ghost or just a threat um, that they've heard of but never seen. But for all the you know the higher up Imperial officers, like they know that this guy means business and that he will come after them if they you know upset the Emperor. Um, but you know maybe. Krennic is like, hey, I know how I could gain the support of all these other Imperial officers. Let me try to take out this Vader guy that keeps bullying us. And uh, yeah, that would not go well for him. Yeah, or he does something where like try to put the blame on Vader for letting the Death Star plans get stolen or that it was Vader's <laughs> fault and that just blows up in his face. And I was thinking too where we've seen a lot of comments about the Death Troopers about, you know, how come they're not in A New Hope and we never see them again in the original trilogy? And I always figured, you know, they're just there for like they're a special ops team. They're not used all the time. And now knowing that they're Krennic's forces. And now just thinking about it here as we're talking about it, maybe the reason we don't see him again because Vader wipes all of them out <laughs> along with Krennic. And that's the end of the Death Trooper squad. So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to be speculating about this so much now as far as Vader's role, if he's mainly going to be an actual antagonist for the Rebels or to the Krennic and the Imperials and his squad. So it's fascinating stuff. But mm -hmm. cool nonetheless, man. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm picturing like... You know, Jin and the Rebels just kind of tiptoeing by in the background and pulling a flash drive out of the computer with the Death Star plans on it while Vader's busy massacring all the Imperials. Yeah, in the room. <laughs> uh, yeah well, we know she's going to be, Jin at least is going to be sneaking in in like an Imperial TIE Fighter outfit. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if it's a TIE Fighter outfit. kind of looks like it. But but some imperial definitely suit. an Imperial infiltrator. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, they also revealed that uh, Mon Mothma is going to have a pretty sizable role in the movie. Um, oh, one other thing about Vader, I don't think we mentioned this, that they also officially confirmed that James Earl Jones is coming back to do the voice. Um, yeah, which, I mean, no -brainer, right? yeah, I mean, how could you not? Especially when, you know, you, you know he's been willing to come back and do it for Rebels recently. Um, and so I was like, man, if you can have him do it in the cartoon, how could you pass up the chance to have him do it in the movie? I know. I mean, if they can just get him to do Battlefront, that would be amazing because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one negative I have on those hero characters. Vader's voice is awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, 
yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd say Vader's is awful, but it's not the best. Um, <laughs> That's putting it nicely. <laughs> I, I think, well, I think Luke and Leia are the worst. Yeah, Luke's not too great. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. Um, although I think, I wonder if they got Billy D. Williams to do Lando because his voice is pretty spot on. You know what? I haven't really heard it first off because I haven't been Lando. And then when we're playing uh, with the headset, I don't have the volume too loud when I'm talking with you and all the other guys are playing with. So I haven't really heard his voice too good on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've well, I've played as him once, I think. But also just, you know, from playing a lot on the new Bespin maps, whenever I'm the Rebels, inevitably I'm in the middle of some big battle and Lando goes running by making some quip about, you know, you run out of luck or something like that. In fact, I'm pretty sure at one point I heard Lando kill somebody and go, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that should be in there. actually. <laughs> yeah, I only heard it once and I like wasn't exactly sure that that was it. But I'm like, I see Lando over there. I'm pretty sure that's what that was. They got to have that. Then you got to have someone be knee and numb and just he starts laughing right after that. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder if that's like an Easter egg. If you have Lando and knee and numb like fighting together. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so cool. Talk about wasted opportunities. That's one right there if they don't yeah. do that. <laughs> okay, Tim, our next match we need to play is Lando and Nia Numb together and find out if this works. Yep. Hopefully I can find that hero pickup. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so anyway, yeah, Vader, James Earl Jones, good stuff. Uh Mon Mothma is also gonna have a, a fairly sizable role in the movie and uh um, I think it's, uh, yeah, Kathleen Kennedy here in this article. This was a brief one, but she says, we actually see quite a bit of her. The Rebel Alliance is in disarray and pretty panicked up against it. Uh, and she is trying the best she can to provide the leadership uh, in amongst a wide variety of Rebel soldiers that have very differing opinions as to what to do. Um, so that's cool that, you know, she's going to be the one to kind of be the voice of reason and, you know, unite everybody against their, their common threat when, you know, like we said at this point, there's going to be a lot of different factions in the Rebel Alliance and they're all sort of unified in their goal of fighting the Empire, but they all, you know, come from different backgrounds and have different ideas and different ways of going about it. Yeah, and I just think too, I, when I was reading this article for the first time where it's good that Mon Mothma, you know, getting me brought back into this movie and hopefully more because she's such an integral part of the star wars saga and history for the rebellion and where the galaxy goes to especially if you read some of the new books that takes place after return of the jedi like aftermath and bloodline you just know how such an important character she was to start the rebellion and setting up the new republic and she's only in it for like two minutes in return of the jedi it is mainly just famous for the line of many boston's died to bring us this information as more as a joke than anything so but she's such an important character in the star wars galaxy and it's about time that we see her more in the films and to show why she is such an important character so definitely glad to hear that she'll have a large role in rogue one and we'll get to see that and just why her character was so important in the rebellion and then to the new republic too going on later mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah definitely you know like you said good that we'll uh, get to see her character fleshed out more um, and then get to see a more uh, you know, important figurehead like that, get to see uh, more of her in the story. Um, and, and then there was... know it won't be deleted scenes either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, one of the articles they released was um, – you know, a pretty in-depth conversation with Gareth Edwards and Kathleen Kennedy addressing all these rumors about the reshoots and everything and how people were panicking and Disney thought the movie was bad and they're completely redoing it and blah, blah, blah. Um, and they basically are sort of restating, you know, some of the more 
low-key reports that we'd heard that like yes there's reshoots happening it happens on every movie you know maybe there are some issues that need to be fixed but like that's why you do reshoots and um you know they said uh in in what Gareth Edwards says here, um, he said, you know, it's not about the tone. Like we've said from the outset that this is going to have a dark tone and Disney's been in support of that. And um, Kathleen Kennedy said there's nothing about the story that's changing. Um, so it's just, you know, things that they're adding to, things that they're tweaking, but it's not this massive overhaul and, you know, nobody's in panic mode. Um, they They do seem to be kind of diplomatic about it to the point where it makes me think like maybe there are some issues that need to be fixed and you know maybe you know maybe there are some things that disney wasn't happy with on the first cut um that they do need to go back and fix but again i i they're still basically saying this has been blown out of proportion and you know we're it's not that they're completely unhappy with the tone they're not redoing the tone of the movie they're not completely changing the story they're just adding stuff and making it better which uh you know, I, I don't think is a bad thing at all. And like I said, I also kind of have a suspicion that this whole Saw Gerrera thing might have been a last minute change. And now they're like, hey, let's do a bunch of reshoots and bring in, you know, Forrest Whitaker. He might have been, you know, John Smith before, but now we're changing his character. So these Saw Gerrera and maybe they're redoing all of his scenes with hair and Clone Wars backstory. Like, you know, who knows? But um, so I... I definitely think you know whatever's going on here i i don't think it's worth panicking over and i think you know even if there is stuff to be concerned about uh like i've said before that's why they do the reshoots like if there are issues they fix them now rather than facing criticism for it when the movie comes out so i don't think we've got much to worry about here i think you know these reshoots are going to be uh just you know something that's beneficial for the movie and uh you know i think it's gonna be better for it so yeah, totally agree. I mean, we talked about it on two episodes ago where Entertainment Weekly even posted the article before this uh, magazine cover story about the reshoots and what their sources were saying. And it kind of sounds like Kathleen Kennedy or Gareth Edwards are backing up what those initial reports were. Um, not the rumor stuff, but what Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly reported is kind of, you know, calm down everybody and reassure them that, you know, well, there are definitely reshoots, but the general story and the tone isn't changing pretty much at all or if not just a little bit maybe like you mentioned so i was never too worried about it and it's just good to get more reassurance from both of them that the story that they set out to tell is still going to be told in the final cut of the movie which is great but the more interesting thing that came out in this part of the article was that kathleen kennedy was kind of asked about using the opening crawl in rogue one and the other star wars story films and she had an interesting answer where she says we talk about that all the time it's something that we're right in the midst of discussing even now, so I don't want to say definitively what we're doing. The crawl and some of those elements lived specifically within the saga films that we're having a lot of discussion about what will define the standalone Star Wars stories separate and apart from the saga films. So we're right in the middle of talking about that. So oh, I kind of find it interesting that you, we always had an idea maybe that it was going to be different and maybe not have the crawl, but the idea that they're still discussing it and don't have a set way on how to begin Rogue One, I find it's pretty interesting. So it's kind of, you know, an interesting, uh, I don't know if it's a debate they're having in-house, whether one of them wants to use it or someone in Lucasfilm does or doesn't keep it different. But I still don't even know how I feel about it, really. I'm kind of expecting it not to have it and to be its own thing, but I'm not necessarily opposed to it or for it so i'm just gonna probably just wait and see and how it ends up playing out when we're sitting in our movie theater seats and it begins we see the lucasfilm logo a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and we'll see if we 
get the Star Wars coming right at you, zooming out, or if it'll, you know, like have a slow fade in where it says Star Wars, Rogue, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And who knows if we'll get any back, like a background story to it. We'll maybe just dump right into it, no crawl or nothing. <laughs> you just right into the story. So it's going to be interesting. But I do find it kind of uh, curious that they're still talking about it now and they don't have a set way on how they're going to end up doing it for not only Rogue One, but probably for all the other standalone films also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like that she said, um, you know, we're, we're having a lot of discussion about what will define the standalone Star Wars stories separate and apart from the saga films. Because um, this whole time I've been thinking, like, they're either going to have a crawl or every movie's kind of going to kind of do their own thing where, you know, if it's a gritty war movie like this, it could start one way and a, a fun... A, you know, adventure movie like the Han Solo film that could start off a different way. But I actually kind of like the idea of the crawl being specific to the Star Wars saga films and then these standalone films doing something different, but like all of them starting the same way, Um, whether it's a different style of crawl, whether it's, you know, some sort of narration or opening credits or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think that's probably what they're discussing right now. It's like, um, you know, I'm sure there are probably some people that still want to use the crawl and some people that don't, but then it's like, well, okay, if we don't use the crawl, do we start every movie differently? Do we start all of them the same way? And if we do start them all the same way, um, you know, in some way that's unique to the standalone films, then what is that way? Um, you know, like I said, is it is it still some kind of text that either just moves differently or is in a different font or a different color or whatever? Or um, is it, you know, sort of a, an opening montage sequence, kind of like the Clone Wars, where uh, you're basically getting the same information that you would get from a crawl, but instead you're just seeing images and hearing a narrator do, you know, voiceover for it? Or um, do you just have the title come up and get straight into the story and have you know, people explain the the backstory through exposition and whatnot. Um, you know, who knows? Like, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision because, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, like I said, I think it would be cool if they did something different, but then I'm not sure what the best thing, what the, the best different thing to do would be. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I get to just be a fan and sit back and watch and see what they come up with. Um, I would not be opposed to doing like, you know, something like the, uh, the opening like the opening of the the Clone Wars episodes where you have Tom Kane do the narration and explaining the story leading into each episode, but because it's feature films, like you would off- obviously have to have like Morgan Freeman narrated or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Yeah, because the opening crawl feels Star Wars and this is still Star Wars. So it's like, do you want to keep that? But at the same time, I totally get where they're thinking, you know, we got to set these apart and have it be their own thing. So yeah either way it's gonna i'll be good with it either way i just hope if they do something different that it sticks with that and that's becomes you know the star wars story thing like mm-hmm. every star wars story after rogue one is going to be the same way because i like having you know that uh symmetry that each style of whether it's animated tv like you mentioned with the clone wars how that started every episode was the same and if every star wars story has their own thing that everyone following that's gonna uh, have that same way or same opening that rogue one had yeah, and I mean, like you said, the the crawl is so Star Wars, like that's a part of what Star Wars is, but at the same time, I feel like this is a, a really cool chance that, you know, while you're branching out with these spinoff films and telling these different stories, it's a cool chance to expand the scope of, 
you know, what people think of as what Star Wars is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's uh, a lot of cool opportunities they could go with this. Because for me, the way it wouldn't be so weird if it does use a crawl and it doesn't say like episode seven, eight or nine or whatever, because kind of used to it with video games playing a lot of different Star Wars games. Almost everyone has a crawl and it yeah. says, you know, like the force unleash part two or part one and it has a little you know synopsis of what it's going to be so if they do go that route it wouldn't be you know like something you know that's uh blasphemous where this isn't a saga number film that it can't have the crawl because we're kind of used to it already with some certain video games so it wouldn't be a total you know end of the world type thing if (laughs) some fans might think that i I wouldn't think most do but wouldn't let the crawl (laughs) affect the enjoyment of the movie just because it should be for the saga films but uh, it wouldn't be you know some totally different if it doesn't say you know episode whatever and if it just says star wars rogue one and then the synopsis yeah but Um, we'll find out yeah we sure will um and that i'm sure will be one of those things that uh you know that we'll just have to wait and see until the movie itself comes out um, cause you're not going to see that in a trailer or anything unless no. they decide to do something at celebration Europe where they show like the first five minutes of the movie or something like that. But I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll hear about it in reviews and early screenings. That yeah. Yeah. Well, and even then I'm sure, well, I don't know. Cause some people would consider that a spoiler and some people wouldn't, um, you know, I, I'm sure some reviews would probably say, you know, they do something different with the crawl, but we won't tell you what it is. And some people would just kind of as a, an aside be like, you know, after the new opening crawl that looks like this, then, you know, then we get right into the story where this and this and this happens. Yeah. It depends um, on, you know, <laughs> which ones are more spoiler sensitive or not. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. That's just one more exciting thing that we'll just, uh, you know, have to wait and uh, find out. Um, all right. And then to wrap it up here, I mean, this is the last thing we're going to talk about, but it's probably going to take us a while because, uh, (laughs) we've talked about all the information. Now we get to look at pretty pictures. Um, and we've got 22 of these to go through here. Now, some of them are just character images, uh, you know, of, of characters that we've already talked about, or even, um, like that shot of, uh, Felicity Jones in the Imperial armor, like that was in the trailer. So, uh, some of these will have more things to dissect than others. Um, Wait, I didn't know there was actually 22 pictures. I thought there was only just three of the Death Troopers because, you know, that's (laughs) all that matters. (laughs) From a certain point of view. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, yeah. So let's just start off with the first image here. Um, And again, yeah, we can kind of do what we did before and take turns describing them. And uh, Tim, I'll let you take this first one because I know how much you just love new Imperial armor. Thank you. And yes, these, uh, the first one, Death Troopers storming a beach with their awesome black armor, blasters in hand, and you see some regular Stormtrooper bodies that's floating in the water. Obviously, they couldn't get the job done, so it's time for the Death Troopers to move in and take action. And boy, isn't an awesome image. Every time we get a new image of these Death Troopers, I'm just blown away. And like every new one becomes my favorite. I remember seeing the first uh, teaser for the teaser trailer where it was like, Five seconds of the Death Trooper turning his head. I was like, oh, man, we're getting black stormtroopers in this movie. I can't wait. And then we got more of them in the trailer. Screenshots. Uh, now this, there's three of them here, but we're focusing on this one on the beach. And this one right away, just like, oh, this is my new wallpaper, my new phone <laughs> background. Uh, this looks so cool. I can't wait to see these troops in action. And I think uh, I'm getting the vibe 
that they're going to be so elite that the Stormtroopers, the regular ones, they're going to get taken out, no problem, like they always do. But then Krennic sends his Death Troopers down, and they just wipe out the Rebels. And I don't know if they're going to take out any of the main characters that we've been introduced to, but maybe they will take out one of them. But if they have a bunch of other like different random soldiers out there fighting them, I think they're going to get taken out pretty brutally by the Death Troopers. I just can't wait to see them in action. This image looks so cool. Yeah, I can even kind of picture them being like uh, the super battle droids in Attack of the Clones, where like a regular Stormtrooper gets wounded in a battle and he's like sitting there screaming and a Death Trooper comes <laughs> up behind him and just punches him out of the way yeah. and keeps shooting at the Rebels. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I mean, these guys look really cool. Um you know, I, I know you're more of a fan of, you know, stormtroopers and just the armor in general than I am. I, w I just want to see these guys in action. Like, looking at the images, I'm like, man, they look really cool. But, um, you know, I, I always kind of latch on more to, you know, specific troopers and armor types and whatnot um, after I've seen them in action. Um, and my, my opinion of which ones are my favorite and whatnot is kind of half based on just how cool they look and then but then also like how cool guys look in them while they're doing cool stuff in the yeah. middle of battles and stuff like that uh, that's um, true yeah i mean i love the phase two clone trooper armor because i think of like you know obi-wan's guys on utapau jumping up on top of spider droids and shooting them through the head and all that kind of stuff um but yeah so but definitely i mean i'm i'm really excited to see these guys in action as well um, and i think it's safe to say they're gonna have a lot more action than captain phasma did in episode seven so i don't have to worry about being we can on only that hope <laughs> <laughs> i i don't think uh um you know saw Gerrera is gonna be asking anybody if they've got a trash compactor <laughs> <laughs> um uh, captain phasma don't worry my heart still belongs to you <laughs> Um, and then the next image we've got is, uh, Jin, you know, as I said, in the Imperial outfit that we saw her in the trailer. Now it's funny because at the time, a lot of people, you know, I heard a lot of people kind of knee jerk reacting to that first trailer and thinking, oh, she's going to turn to the empire side and, you know, defect to the Imperials at some point in the movie. And I was like, come on guys. Like, even though they're showing that as Saw Gerrera is saying, you know, what will you become? Like, she's obviously going undercover. Um, and that's what it says here is Jin undercover. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it says, you know, Rogue One is an ensemble story, but its central figure is Jin Urso, a young woman recruited by the rebellion to infiltrate the empire and secure details of its latest weapon. Um, a moon sized battle station we know as the Death Star. Um, so yeah, this seems like it's not even going to be sort of like a twist late in the movie. It's going to be like, this is her primary mission. Like when they recruit her, you know, the part of this mission of stealing the Death Star plans is going to be infiltrating the empire um and like you said it kind of looks like a tie pilot outfit um especially the thing on the chest there um but it also looks like she's got some kind of like baton or nightstick or something stuck into her back so um i don't know if it'll be you know some kind of special forces trooper or i actually maybe she's even hmm i'm like maybe she's a you know got a, a death trooper outfit and she's like halfway through putting the armor on um because you see she's got like an armored like chest plate and back and stuff but is basically just you know got like a, a black shirt that's coming up her neck and down her sleeves and everything but she also is kind of bent over and i'm like maybe she's you know in the middle of putting some armor on here so um i don't know that would be pretty cool to see her you know infiltrate the death troopers i'm sure that can't be easy <laughs> yeah, and I still get the feeling, I mean, we were speculating about Vader, but he got shot in the trailer, and even her look here, she sees something that's getting her attention, and I still have a feeling it might be 
don't know if it's our first look at Vader, but maybe her first glimpse at Vader knows <laughs> that she better get out of there very quick. Yeah, she definitely is not uh, excited about whatever she's looking at. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the next image we got is one of uh, Krennic. Little, at least in the background, it's the same shot he had in the trailer, but his head's not down here. You know, he has his mouth like and his thumb up to his... Uh, or his hand with his thumb up to his mouth and just looking, you know, very Imperial-like, <laughs> like most Imperial officers do. And, yeah, I, I still like his the white Imperial uniform that, you know, we first got or became famous by Grand Admiral Thrawn, and I'm glad it's carrying on here through uh, an actual live-action movie. So another cool shot of, uh, so I was going to say General Krennic, but it's Director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Orson, Director Orson Krennic. Still getting used to these names and titles here for Rogue One, but. Hopefully by the movie, it'll just be rolling off the tongue. But, uh, yeah, again, just uh, kind of similar image to what we got of him in the trailer. But And it's being described here, you know, kind of says that we've seen uh, Imperial officers like Tarkin before. But, again, it's saying how Krennic's going to be different. It describes him as being a little, little hotter than that. And this is going to make him more of a fun Imperial officer to see than we've been used to seeing in previous movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of what I was talking about earlier with uh you know, them just talking about his temper and everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know you mentioned like Kylo Ren, if only he had a saber that he can, you know, throw a tantrum on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get the next one to load here. Um, oh, here we go. I'm, I'm looking at these on my phone now. Cause uh, I don't know. It's my browser's being slow, but um, anyway, the, the next uh, image here is of Baze and Chirrut. Um, and they're just kind of, chilling on a beach looking up at the sky um but it looks like you know there's this is in the aftermath of a battle um as you see a probably dead stormtrooper propped up against some crates or something <laughs> in a background and there's fires and smoke and everything and uh meanwhile Baze or uh, Chirrut is just sitting here peacefully looking up at the sky and Baze is kind of looking down at him like what the heck are you doing get up man let's go yeah it could be like one of those scenes we're talking about where there's some comedy between them where he may be saying like the force was with us in this battle that we won and he's all like come on like we gotta get out of here or the fight's not done like enough of your force mumble jumbo talk and mm-hmm. maybe it's something where they think they won the battle but this is right before the death troopers come and <laughs> they really gotta either get out of there or get prepared for the next battle so but it definitely looks like one has just ended and they're kind of you know just taking a breather for a little bit or at least Chirrut is mm-hmm. and hopefully yeah. meditating on the force and and in the description of this photo here um this is where it says what i was talking about earlier it says like the original star wars these characters owe a debt to the two peasants from a 1958 akira kurosawa adventure saga uh and kathleen kennedy says they're inspired again by what inspired george in the hidden fortress that uh, you could even say that uh, to some extent it's r2d2 and c3po a little bit of that um so yeah i'm i'm excited to see these two guys in action like i said i, I think the combination of sort of an r2d2 and c3po dynamic between two like fierce warrior characters i think is going to be you know something familiar but really new and fun at the same time totally yep and the next image is another one that i think got a lot of attention at least the day it was released on social media more than the death troopers which i don't know why but is <laughs> <laughs> this the store troopers is walking in the water on, onto the beach um, to the shore where the description says that uh, keeping it to the Star Wars tradition of planets with a single ecosystem, one key battleground in Rogue One is on a world that might resemble a relaxing seaside holiday destination, if not for its proximity to the Death Star, and which leads to a key battle in the film that takes place 
on his balmy shoreline, blue waters on an eerie gray sky. And it is a cool image. I mean, seeing stormtroopers walking <laughs> just through the water, making their way to shore, does look cool and something different that we haven't seen in Star Wars before. And I'm curious about this planet, too, how it is in proximity with the Death Star. I mean, there just could be one a random planet that happened to be close by to it, or if there is a significance to why they chose this planet to be close to the Death Star. And yeah, I just can't wait to see this action sequence too. It sounds like it's going to be a very cool one. And if not the biggest one of the movie where you got the stormtroopers and then the death troopers coming in. So yeah, just more images that makes me anticipate that moment even more so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I have to give them props here for, for branching out a little bit. I mean, I always like seeing new locations in Star Wars and stuff. And as much as I like seeing, you know, alien worlds like uh you know felucia and camino and stuff like that um it's cool to see new real world locations that we haven't seen before either um you know so this is uh you know like they're talking about just a lot of you know beaches and you know someplace that could be peaceful and tropical if there weren't so much imperial activity going on um and i'm like hey looking at you force awakens they didn't just go for you know desert planet <laughs> snow planet forest planet um it's like they didn't go too far out crazy with, you know, CGI backgrounds and stuff. But at the same time, they found a, a real world location um, that, you know, is, is still something we haven't necessarily seen before. I mean, you could say that Kashyyyk was kind of like that, but um, I think this is definitely going to have its own unique look to it. I hope we get to see uh, Sullust in a movie at some point. Yeah, um, which now, <laughs> yeah, which now has a canon look from the Battlefront games, but it's all very you know rocky and volcanic, and again looks totally like a real world location, but at the same time is something that we've never really seen in Star Wars before. I mean, it's not volcanic like Mustafar is volcanic. It's not just like dripping red and you know rivers of lava running everywhere. It's like there are volcanoes, there are lava pits, but a lot of it is just sort of it's more volcanic rock than actual volcanoes. Yeah, and just going back to this new planet and how it's on a beach setting, it fits in perfectly, too, with the war feel that they want to have with this movie. Because, you know, there's been plenty of battles that were fought on beaches. I mean, obviously, the big one on D-Day with the Normandy siege on there. So if it kind of capturing that Star Wars tradition where, you know, Lucas took film footage from, like, old World War II dogfights. And if it's kind of in a similar vein to that where they're taking homages from like actual battles that are taking place on the beach and put it in, set it in the Star Wars universe is, you know, just another cool thing that adds to it where mm -hmm. it, it, for one thing sets it apart as being different, but keeping in that Star Wars tradition of taking inspiration from actual battles that have happened. Yeah. Well, actually, and in this next image too, um, it's just another image of uh, stormtroopers kind of wading through some shallow water, but it's a bit more of a close-up shot. Um, looks like they're about ready to march into battle, but um, they they talk about on this one how they kind of directly drew inspiration from the war in the South Pacific in World War II uh, when we were fighting the Japanese, you know, in all those islands and stuff in the South Pacific. So, um, yeah, like, like what you were saying, you know, taking inspiration from uh, real-world locations and real-world battles and uh, kind of evoking that feel of it. And I think it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, especially the fact that not just that it's Star Wars, but that this movie in particular is supposed to feel more like a war movie than, you know, most Star Wars movies do. So, um, yeah, I, I think taking visual inspiration from World War II is you know, perfectly suitable for that. Yep. But now it's time for my most intriguing image of this badge and my favorite. And of course, it's another Death Trooper. <laughs> I always said before that 
one becomes my favorite every time a new one gets revealed. Well, this one replaced the other one of them, Storming the Beach, where it's just a cool shot of a Death Trooper. Looks like at the end of a battle, he's just standing there, but he's holding something in his hand, and it's a toy of a sword trooper. And when I first saw this, I thought maybe it was like one of those behind-the-scene photos where they're kind of joking around, like, hey, you're in a black stormtrooper costume. It'd be funny if you're holding a toy of a white stormtrooper. And I kind of thought back to those early episode two uh, photos that got released as filming was going on. You saw Django Fett with the umbrella dancing in the rain, <laughs> kind of joking around like that. But no, when I read the description, it's like, no, this is actually in-universe. That is a real Stormtrooper doll in the Star Wars <laughs> galaxy. And the description says that uh, that it says that the one of them is holding what appears to be an action figure of sorts. And the filmmakers didn't want to explain exactly what's happening here. But they, can, they do confirm that it is a Stormtrooper doll, a galactic version of a toy soldier, and that it will have a special significance in the story. So that's what really got me intrigued with this, that it's going to have special significance. I mean, is it going to be for one of the Rebels? Is it going to be for Jin or the Death Trooper who's holding it? I mean, I'm just fascinated at what it could be and why that Death Trooper has it. Is it something more just like a local villager or a child? had it and the battle ensued and something happened to that child and they left the stormtrooper doll there and that death trooper takes it up for whatever reason so i don't know so many ways it can play out but i'm just fascinated about this image of that death trooper holding that stormtrooper toy i I think it looks really cool just that image of a trooper holding a toy and then just knowing that there's going to be some significance to that is i think is really cool so i'm sure it's going to be something well i can't say i'm sure i don't know but i kind of have the feeling it's going to be something small and not so central to the story, but still something cool to see play out in Rogue One. So I can't wait to learn more about the details of why that Death Trooper has that Stormtrooper doll. It's mm-hmm. fascinating and cool to me. Well, again, we know that we're going to have a central character who's infiltrating the Empire in a black outfit. Like Maybe this mm-hmm. is Jin right here. Um, there you go. Huh? Didn't think of that. But also, I'm thinking th- this could also maybe be... Um, you know, like maybe one of the death troopers or all of them, you know, maybe grow a conscience at some point, you know, maybe they've just wiped out a village or something like that because they thought they were harboring Imperial traitors and they were just, you know, doing what they were trained to do. And then they go through and find, uh, you know, maybe, uh, this, this stormtrooper doll in the wreckage from, you know, a kid that they killed or who got taken captive or something like that. And maybe they think, uh, you know, man, the kids play with toys of us. Like, they look up to us, and, you know, we just came in here and wiped them out. Like, let's go kill Vader. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, there's any number of things that could be going on here. But definitely, like you said, a very intriguing image. Yeah, I just like the idea of, in the Star Wars universe, there's toys. <laughs> Action figures of Stormtroopers that we collect here in the Star Wars galaxy, there is the same thing. And it makes sense, too, because, like it says, there were toy soldiers in, in the real world <laughs> during, you know, uh, the war period time. So the fact that they're taking that, too, and putting it in the Star Wars universe, I think is really cool. So, mm-hmm. And they also mention uh, Ray's little homemade uh, rebel pilot doll that she's got um in her ATAT in the Force Awakens as well, so yeah, um, yeah, it's like just because we have Star Wars action figures doesn't mean the people in Star Wars can't have action figures. I just wonder because you know Ray made hers just from scraps. Uh-huh. Is this someone like somebody in this village made from scraps? Or are they actually selling these in like galactic stores? Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping I don't know. it is that way where they're selling them. You know, spreading imperial propaganda like these are the good guys and the heroes to look up to. Get an action figure of though. Yeah. 
doing stormtrooper toy commercials right and and now i'm just picturing like what if that that would be like today if people sold like donald trump toys yeah (laughs) oh man um we don't want star wars to get too real world but this i could take (laughs) yeah right i can't um and then uh so we've got the next image here is just a a close-up sort of full body image of k2so in full detail um and again they just talk more about his personality, how he's like the opposite of C-3PO. Um, I like what Gareth Edwards hears, uh, says here. He says he has a very dry delivery and he doesn't realize that what he's saying is very funny, which those are like my favorite kind of characters when, you know, they're being deadly serious or, you know, mean or threatening, but the stuff that they're saying is just hilarious and, you know, it's almost like, man, they're, they're threatening to blow somebody's kneecaps off. You shouldn't be laughing, but just their delivery of it is so you know, hilarious. That's kind of like what made HK 47 so great. Yep. So, um, I mean, it's, it's close for me, but I think at this point I would have to say, as far as like my most anticipated characters go, um, you know, Saw Gerrera, Chirrut and K2SO are definitely like my top three in no particular order. Um, yeah, I would agree with that too. Yeah. And, and I think K, uh, K2 and Chirrut are probably the ones that I'm most excited to see in terms of like getting to know a new character where Saw Gerrera, I'm just excited to see a Clone Wars character brought to life in live action. So, um, but man, you know, lots of great characters here. I mean, they all sound really intriguing. And again, you know, just the fact that there's, uh, you know, such a big cast of, of new characters, it's not like uh, the Force Awakens, and I'm not knocking the Force Awakens either, but you know, half the cast we already knew about. Um, you know, so you know, when when they announced the cast or announced who all the characters are, it really was just like, you know, Finn, Ray, Poe, Kylo Ren, BB-8. You know, were the main ones to get excited about, and then there was you know Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie and R2, and it was fun to see all those guys again. Um, but here, you know, we've got twice as many new characters to just you know wonder what they're going to be like, how they're going to fit into the story, how cool are their action scenes going to be, how funny are they going to be, are they going to live or die, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. And hopefully they get, you know, everyone has their one specific moment to shine in the movie because, you know, it's going to be hard for everyone to have a good amount of screen time when you have an ensemble cast like this. But hopefully everyone has their one moment to shine where you hear the character's name and you think of that scene in the movie where they did something really cool. Yeah. I mean, man, if K2SO ends up being like, the new captain phasma then you and i can just have a pity party together yeah. <laughs> and wallow in our misery <laughs> at least i'll have episode eight to hopefully redeem phasma i don't know if we're gonna see k2 any <laughs> i don't even know man like at this point i'm like phasma you had your shot episode eight is all about luke for me uh, she's gonna have an awesome moment just wait i mean she if had... she does you know more power <laughs> to her but still like it's going to be hard for anything in that movie to get me more excited than, you know, what's going on between Luke and Ray and Kylo oh, Ren. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a nice added bonus when she does do something awesome in episode eight. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I don't remember who. Well, okay. So I, I talked about the, the K2SO. Then we've got, you know, just a behind the scenes shot that looks like it's you know at that rebel base. Um, and then, uh, I mean, not really a whole lot of new stuff there you want to go on to the next one yeah the next one is of uh see i kind of remember these characters names <laughs> uh bodhi uh the the rebel uh it was being described you know the pilot the cargo ship uh, guy the tech guy so just another shot of him where 
his eyes look like they're staring at something kind of <laughs> funny. It looked like, like, God, let me see something that someone shouldn't be doing. He's like, I see you, but <laughs> I'm not supposed to see what you're doing. <laughs> thing, so. I think <laughs> I'm just like making up my own context here. But yeah, like you said, he's looking at something with like kind of wide eyes. And I can just see this being like he's looking down, tinkering with something on his ship. And uh, Cassian Andor comes up to him and says, like, hey, we've got a new mission. We need you to uh, get the ship ready for takeoff. And he's like, oh, okay, where are we going this time? We're flying to the Death Star. And he just looks up with his eyes wide like this, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I do like, too, in this shot, you can clearly see his Imperial Insignia logo on, like, his jump shoot that he has on there. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I, I don't know if that means he's trying to fit in and, you know, go undercover as an Imperial or if he's, like, an Imperial defector. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think maybe, you know, knowing that Jin's whole mission is infiltration, you know, maybe he also is posing as an Imperial either cargo pilot or crewman or something like that. Or maybe he even is, you know, like I said, maybe he is an Imperial cargo pilot who defected to the Rebellion and he's helping them fight, but still, you know, his day job is flying food packets around for the empire or something like that yeah that just could have been the uniform he had to wear on his last job or something like that mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, you know just stuck with it for you know whatever mission he has next so yeah, yeah. we'll find out yeah and then um okay well well tim i'll let you talk about this next one too uh, thanks <laughs> i gotta do all three of them sorry <laughs> so this one for a time became my new favorite image of the death trooper but after seeing them all three of them for a while now my favorite one is that one where he's holding the toy but this next image is so so cool also it's just a death trooper standing on top of a little hill and you see like flames behind him he just has this really cool pose like don't mess with him <laughs> you're not gonna make it out if you try to take this guy on this is really intimidating and just uh, again just driving home the point to me that these are gonna be some elite troops that we haven't seen in a Star Wars film since the clones. So I don't know if they'll top the clones for me, but they're going to be probably the best Imperial troops we've seen. And we'll see how long that lasts with all the new movies we're going to get. Cause I'm sure we'll get different types of troops <laughs> in the other future Star Wars movies. But for right now, these death troops just have, uh, I think they're going to be so awesome to see play out. And I, again, I don't want to hype myself up too much, but I really don't think they're going to disappoint because we know they're going to have an action sequence and it looks like they're going to be, you know, make good on what uh, how lethal they should be but that's enough about me geeking out about how <laughs> they got awesome they're gonna be i'm gonna ask you kyle because i didn't notice this at first but his belt that he's wearing in that shot and i think most all of them have uh it was uh michael cohen actually from the rebels podcast when i put posted an image on instagram about how cool it looked and he says like hey did you notice he's actually having has the same belt that darth vader has and I didn't pay attention to that when I first saw it, but then when you do a side-by-side -side image of it, that is the same style of belt that Darth Vader has with that metallic know, buckle that's on there mm -hmm. center, but it's exactly what Darth Vader has, and I just wonder if there's any significance to that, or it's just, you know, a cool-looking design choice they chose to use for the Death Troopers because it looked good on Vader, I guess, with black and all that, but I kind of like to think there is some significance to these troops being modeled maybe a little bit after Darth Vader, and... I don't know. I, like I said, didn't think of that when I first saw this image, but now that it was brought to my attention, I think it's cool, and hopefully, we will be something. There will be something revealed as to why they do have something that's similar to what Darth Vader has. Yeah, um, I mean, this is the first time I've noticed that, and I think, I mean, on the one hand, like it's a belt buckle. 
Um, you know, there's not, I, I don't take there to be any huge significance in that. Um, but at the same time, you know, even if you want to say that, oh, it's just, you know, a utilitarian thing, like maybe everybody in the empire has the same, well, I mean, they don't all have the same belt buckle, but you know, on the one hand, like it, it just doesn't seem that far fetched to believe that that could just be happenstance or that, you know, they, they get their belts from the same manufacturer. But at the same time, you know, when you're part of the empire, you know, any kind of little touch you can add to strike fear into your enemies and, you know, make them think of Darth Vader, like, that works too. Like, you know, if it's like, hey, we got these belt buckles that just happen to look the same as Vader's, but, hey, if it makes people think of Vader and fear us even more, then, you know, bonus points for us. Yeah, I just have a hard time thinking that whatever Darth Vader has on his armor, there's not a lot of troops in the Empire that's going to have it. You know Vader's going to have some... His suit's going to be totally unique, so... And now, but we see that's not the case. I know it's something small as a belt buckle, but they're... <laughs> again, just us being diehard fans, examining everything and thinking of possibilities of how there could be connections and all that. It just makes me think that they wouldn't use something that Darth Vader has for nothing. There has to be mm. some type of explanation for it, because it's Darth Vader's armor. We know how iconic that is. Just in our world world but even in the star wars universe you know there's going to be no one that has stuff like darth vader until mm-hmm. now obviously so i just want to know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well yeah i mean I, I don't think that's anything that's going to get explained in the movie unless these guys yeah, are secretly I'll... like actually working for vader and you know maybe krennic goes to try to t- betray him and the death troopers just turn on him um, it's like if this was Vader's personal squad, then I think it would make per- you know, perfect sense. Um, and even if these were like the special forces throughout the Empire, I think it would make sense to take inspiration from Vader. But if these are, you know, Krennic's personal enforcers and he doesn't have the best relationship with Vader, then I don't necessarily see why these guys would be particularly trying to emulate Vader. Um... So I guess we'll kind of see after we've seen the movie and see how all those relationships and dynamics play out, um, if there really is reason for them to take after him or not. Yeah. <laughs> all this speculated coming from a belt buckle. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then w- the next picture here is of uh, Jin and Cassian looking like they're standing um, in, in the bay of a cargo ship or something like that. Um, I've got another one of... Uh, Cassian uh, on the beach with, you know, surrounded by a bunch of other rebels, uh, probably, you know, in the aftermath of the same beach battle. Actually, yeah, if you look in the background here, you can see more stormtrooper bodies. Um, So I think maybe there is something to what you were predicting that, uh, you know, maybe the rebels win this beachfront battle and then the death troopers come in after them and they're like, oh, maybe we uh, didn't win as handily as we thought we did. Not to mention the ATATCs. (laughs) Well, that too. (laughs) So yeah, I'm still thinking if that's going to be the same battle as this, or if that's going to happen more towards the end, where you know that's like one of their last big final obstacles that they're going to have to face. It's those AT ACTs. Like, am I getting that right? <laughs> yeah, I think okay. so. Um, we can just call them walkers. Yeah. <laughs> Watch, people are going to just you know call them at acts now. Yeah. At acts. Yeah. <laughs> that's like harder to say than at ats, and I don't I even like saying that. Same here. I know. I gotta say that extra C in there. Yeah, so I think it's A T A C T. Yeah. Yeah. And and just as a reminder to anybody that calls them adats, like I think it was Leland Chi who cleared that up on Twitter a while ago as to what the official canon pronunciation of it is supposed to be. And all he said is nobody says ats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was always my go-to thing. 
AT, uh, ATSDs. <laughs> you can't say yeah, like you don't try to pronounce that out. You just pronounce the letters. So I do the same with AT-ATs. Yep. So now he's got an extra C in there. Yeah. Again, hopefully these names and uh, transport uh, identification lettering is going to be rolling right off the tongue by the time we get to December and <laughs> this movie mm -hmm. comes out. Just like all the new Star Wars characters we got from The Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they will. Um, and then we've got more pictures here of Chirrut and Baze. Um, I like this picture of Baze next to a, a crashed X-Wing. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to tell, but it looks like he he may have just like pulled the pilot out of the wreckage because you can see something behind him that looks like it could be part of a body. Um, I mean, it's hard to tell, but it doesn't look like that's him. There's just sort of like a, a black shape behind him. Um, so, you know, maybe he pulled somebody out and now he's defending him from oncoming stormtroopers or something like that. Um, but anyway, that looks cool. There's a shot of rebels running along the beach, uh, with a helicopter flying overhead. Um, and it says, don't worry, the empire isn't using choppers alongside its tie strikers to strafe the rebellion. Uh, it's just a behind the scenes shot where they're, you know, they've got the camera mounted on the helicopter. Um, yeah, it still looks really cool though. <laughs> yeah. And obviously it looks like this whole beach battle is going to be, you know, a, a huge part of the movie. I don't know if it's going to just be like one big climactic battle like at the at the end of the movie or if it's going to be like the battle of hoth you know take place right at the beginning um or if there will be you know several or you know at least a couple like different beach conflicts throughout the movie um you know maybe they have to like break into a bunker or something and so the first battle is you know they just take out the stormtroopers they reach their objective they go inside they get some information they come out and that's when they're faced with death troopers and ATATs, ACTs and all that kind of stuff <laughs> I'm gonna go back to calling them imperial walkers um, <laughs> that's always a go back to one <laughs> yeah when I was thinking about too with the trailer I think when we're talking about uh, that shot by shot where it looks like we see them running out of that bunker and then it looks like they come out and that's where the new walkers are at. So I kind of get what you're saying where maybe, you know, to get in there, they take out the stormtroopers and maybe you have to escape from the death troopers. And maybe when they get the plans, they think they're in the clear. But nope, there are some Imperial walkers waiting for them outside. And then they have to deal with that. And then maybe Vader at the very end. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about one bad day. <laughs> <You have to laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, like I said, definitely looks like it's going to be a big part of the movie and uh, should be some pretty cool set pieces associated with that. Um, and then the, uh, the rest of the pictures here are just all kind of more close up shots of some of the characters. We've got, um, you know, more shots of Jin and Cassian and Chirrut and Baze and uh, director Krennic and then Saw Gerrera is the last one. So um, not really any more, you know, new information there or anything that we haven't really talked about, but um, you know, just kind of some more cool character shots. Um, and man, like I said, I'm really digging the look of Saw Gerrera in this. Um, yeah, he, he kind of looks different from how he did in the first teaser too. Like not just in, uh, the fact that he has hair now, but I think his armor looks a little different too. Um, and yeah, man, he just, he looks like somebody who you could totally believe has been through the Clone Wars and yeah. you know, way more stuff in between. Totally. And yeah, like I said, now that first image of the Death Trooper storming the beach was my wallpaper. Now, like I got all three of them in rotation. Like every hour, it changes <laughs> to each of these those three images we got. So I'll be staring at those beautiful, beautiful looking armor for like who knows how long. Maybe until the movie comes out. I don't know, but <laughs> that just looks so so good. 
Yeah. Well, um, man, that is uh, all the new Rogue One info and images and stuff uh, that we've got. Um, obviously, you know, lots of good stuff to talk about. I have to say, I'm more excited for the movie now. Um, in fact, I, I found myself even getting more excited about it just as we were sitting here talking about this recording the episode. Because, um, you know, for, for a long time, I've been one of those people that's like, yeah, cool, Rogue One, when's Episode Eight coming out? Um, but, yep, you know, the, the, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but the more stuff we get to see from it, um, and especially, I'm sure, once we get the, hopefully get another trailer at Celebration Europe, um, I, I'm starting to, to get on board the Rogue One hype train a little bit more, too, now. Um, especially, man, I hope we get to see uh, some shots in the new trailer of these new TIE fighters and some of the new ships and stuff, too. Yeah. Um, because I know you're a, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to the Empire versus the Rebellion, um, you know, Tim, I know you're a Stormtrooper guy. I'm an X-Wing versus TIE Fighter guy. So you show me some of that going on and I'll be like, yep, I'm there. <laughs> well, we got to get both of those type of action in the next trailer and it'll be the best of both worlds. Yeah. And I mean, if they want to throw in a glimpse of Vader too, like I would not complain. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I kind of feel like they almost have to now. They re- confirmed he's in it. I think they're going to want to tease him in the trailer, too. Just, like, the very last shot. Even if it's just breathing and you just see his helmet real quick. Just something to, you know, have everyone freak out at the end. Kind of like the two you were home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, how awesome would that be? I know, especially in an environment like Celebration where the crowd is just going to lose it when that yeah. happens. Yeah, so. because even though... I mean, Well, and again, I mean, with... With Han and Chewie, we knew they were going to be in the Force Wagons, but still seeing them again was was something special. Now it was kind of different there because they looked, or you know, at least Han looked thirty years older, whereas Vader's going to look, hopefully, you know, pretty much exactly the same as uh, he did in A New Hope. But still, you know, reading that Darth Vader's going to be in the movie is one thing. Seeing him on a screen again and hearing James Earl Jones's voice come out of the speakers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is is just a whole nother level of chill inducing awesomeness oh yes <laughs> again like i said at the beginning just counting down the days to celebration here <laughs> so yeah. we can experience that again uh, it's gonna be awesome yeah definitely um all right well i think we're about ready to wrap it up here um anything else you wanted to add before we finish um yeah i actually just want to kind of go through some of the new polls that we put out after these stories came out and what people were most excited for so uh, when the first day it happened where we just got some character details and confirmation about Saw Gerrera and Darth Vader put a poll out there which uh, Twitter followers are most excited for and about 14% the new character uh, main character details that were revealed came in third and then in second was uh, Forrest Whitaker playing Saw and then at 67% having Darth Vader confirmed was what most people were excited for and this is kind of going back to what we were talking about a little earlier where as diehard Star Wars fans of the Clone Wars that Getting knowing that Saw Guerrero is going to make the jump from animation to live action, that's what got me excited for that day. But that's just drives to the point where, for the more diehard Star Wars fans, that was cool. But for I think probably those who aren't maybe familiar with Clone Wars and just the movies, having Darth Vader back has got to be you know the big thing out there. So this poll definitely reflected that. And then I put another one out. Uh, after we got all those images, awesome images of the Death Troopers, I had to do another uh, poll to see what trooper armor was everyone's favorite. And I put the choices up as Clone Troopers Phase 2, Imperial Stormtroopers, First Order Stormtroopers, and then the Death Troopers. And coming in last was the First Order Stormtroopers at 13%, where at first it took them a while just to get any votes. And then surprisingly, the Death Troopers came in third at 19%. I expected them to do a little better. Just 
going by how recently we got those images and how awesome they look, but but the showdown came down to the clone troopers and the imperial stormtroopers, and this was neck and neck. Clone troopers, unfortunately, st- I'm still a clone guy. Their phase two armor is still the greatest looking armor in all of Star Wars. Amen. They came, they came in second with 33 percent, and I guess everyone likes the classics because the imperial stormtroopers just barely edged them out at 35 percent to take home the win in that poll, and we got a lot of. Uh, participation in that one which was cool so yeah looks like clone troopers he started out good they were leading the poll for most of the day but then the first uh, imperial stormtrooper look came out with a victory at the last second so at least those clone troopers are still well represented in this poll <laughs> mm-hmm. that came in a second just right behind the stormtroopers so yeah that was cool to kind of get a little feedback to see what everyone was thinking about the new death trooper armor and how they compare it to the other classic ones we got so Thanks, everyone, for participating in those polls. I always like checking out to get a pulse on what fans are thinking about some of this uh, new stuff that gets revealed. And then finally, we got a quick email from Adrian, who brings up something that I didn't, I heard about but didn't give that much attention to. It was a rumor regarding Episode Eight, and he just says, Hey, guys, I assume the story that he sent us a link to below is just poodoo, but Luke did go rescue a stupid tree that was strong in the forest in the Shattered Empire comic. Also, Anakin was supposedly the reincarnated first Jedi, also known as the one who is trapped in a tree, like a wizard or a witch. What? When when was this revealed? In a novel? And he just says, thanks, Adrian. And yeah, Adrian, once you sent this email, I kind of looked more into this rumor. And again, it's been, you know, kind of debunked by a lot of sources and people how, you know, that Rey is a reincarnation of, you know, of like the first, of the real chosen one. And then this whole thing with... The tree, there's been set pictures of a tree on the Act 2 sets of Episode 8. So there is something there with that tree. But I think all this with, you know, ancient, like, Jedi spirit being trapped in there, it does kind of, you know, fit into, you know, Arthurian legend with Merlin. So while I think it's not going to get, like, Anakin's trapped in there and, like, Rey is not, well, Rey's a mystery, so who knows with her. But as far as Anakin, you know, being, like, his spirit trapped in a tree or something like that. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I do think that tree is going to hold some significance. And like you said, in that Shattered Empire comic, Luke did make it a point to get that force, uh, that tree that was strong at the force that was captured by Palpatine, who was actually trying to drain it of its force power. So there is some significance there. I don't know if it's the same tree, but we're going to get some tree force stuff, I think, in episode eight that could be pretty intriguing and kind of cool. <laughs> 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 Uh, so yeah, I, this rumor is probably ain't going to be about too much as far as those specifics, but I think there is going to be some significance to like a forest tree or in episode eight. So we'll just have to wait and see. But good uh, catch on bringing this to our attention because this is something I didn't see reported on too much, but on Twitter I kept saying, "Oh, there's these episode eight rumors that keeps getting debunked and debunked and just like they're nonsense." So I didn't look too much into it. And after reading it, it's like, yeah, probably not, but. Those set pictures do reveal there is something to that tree. So we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although the tree in the set pictures looks kind of old and dead, and so it doesn't look like something that Luke would have recently planted, um, you know, just from a, a branch or something like that. But I don't know. I, I think, I mean, on the one hand, that was kind of such a small part of that comic that it, it seems hard to believe it would be such a huge thing in episode eight but yeah. at the same time you think that like maybe there is some some significance to it um i just kind of think i don't think it's necessarily that same tree but the idea of like trees that are strong in the forest that can add some new layer and dynamic to the forest that we haven't seen before and you know that could have been our first taste of it in that shattered empire comic but then yeah. 
kind of you know get a bigger picture of what they entail in episode eight yeah which i'm and um i mean i i did read one rumor about this that was talking about you know ray being the reincarnated chosen one and luke explaining the origin of the force from a tree and all this kind of stuff i'm kind of glad that you said you've read more stuff about it being debunked because i only saw that one rumor and was like i'm not really sure what to make of this but i hadn't really heard much about it since and i haven't been on twitter as much lately um which is yeah, you know, where we get a lot of these rumors and stuff from anyway. So I've kind of just been missing out on some stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, I'm not really sure how to feel about that. Because on the one hand, um, I mean, it, it seems kind of a little weird just because, you know, it's something we've never seen before. And I, I don't really want Star Wars to go the whole Avatar route of, you know, talking to the trees and communing with nature and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we know that, you know, all that nature and everything is part of the force and that, uh, you know, all life, all life is connected and all that. And I'm down for anything that, um, explains more, you know, sort of the nature of the force and, you know, something like the Yoda arc from Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, it could just be something where I'm like, that's kind of weird, but then I I could get used to it and be like, yeah, but that's the force. Like, the ability to pick something up and move it across the room with your mind is weird to begin with. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, and I just think, too, I mean, you know, I'm still on the Ray and Luke's daughter bandwagon, but kind of preparing myself that that might not be the case. But I also think, too, it's not going to be something as simple as Ray just being, you know, the daughter of, like, this new family that this is as force ability like any other person could have. I think there's going to be more significance to her where the force is going to be involved with her, whether, you know, I don't think it's going to be another chosen one or, you know, some type, it's going to be something to do with the force, right? It's going to be similar to the chosen one, but probably different because I don't think they're going to want to repeat that again, but have it be something significant as that and through the force. So it's probably going to be something we're not expecting, but as long as it is, you know, really focused into the Force and how it's maneuvering this, to, you know, to get her to be, become a Jedi and trained in, by Luke and become, you know, more advanced in the Force, uh, I'm down for. So mm -hmm. still <laughs> so much questioning and wait and see stuff for Ray, but we're still going to be hearing probably a lot more crazy rumors until episode eight comes out. We still got a good year and a half to go, so yeah, <laughs> I'm sure this will yeah. be the last. And I'll, I mean, I might try to avoid some of them because whatever Ray's connection to Luke ends up being and, you know, her origin and everything, like, that's something I don't really want spoiled. And if she actually is Luke's daughter, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily mind finding that out ahead of time just because that's, you know, what a lot of people are predicting anyways. But if she's not Luke's daughter and I find that out, I'll be like, okay, I can live with that. But then whatever her origin is, I want to be surprised by that. Mm -hmm. Um... But yeah, man. Oh, can't man, Tim. I was getting on board the the uh, Rogue <laughs> One hype train, and you're making me exchange my ticket for the Episode Eight Express again. No, don't do that. There's still plenty of time to ride the Rogue <laughs> One train and then get your ticket for Episode Eight and ride that one. So. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, so much good stuff to talk about with both of these movies. Man, uh, okay. I love Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that statement never gets old and never gets, you know, uh, that will never be untrue. <laughs> exactly. Well, hopefully not. Um, no, because we still got all this other, even if it does fall off the rails, which I highly doubt it will, we still got all this great content that we've gotten. It's true. Like, even if stuff. every movie, every Star Wars movie released from here on out completely sucks, I'm just, it'll be like, well, 
we've still got one through seven and Clone Wars and Rebels and all that good stuff. So exactly, yep. Well, on that note, I think uh, we're just about ready to wrap up for this episode. Um, thank you to everybody for listening. And as always, you can check us out online. Uh, our website is StarWarsTSC.com, uh, where you can find all of our episodes and links to a lot of these uh, articles and uh, news items and whatnot that we're talking about on here. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at StarWarsTSC. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StarWarsTheSagaContinues. And if you would like to send Send us email to uh, discuss you know, anything Star Wars related. Ask us questions. Share your thoughts on recent news or uh, share some wild speculative theories with us or anything like that. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. So you can send us email at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com. Um, and on that note, uh, thanks again for tuning in. We will see you guys next time. Um, and again, you know, probably our, our next time is going to be after Celebration Europe uh, in a few weeks. And so definitely looking forward to that. Um, hopefully, you know, th there's a good chance we'll go another, you know, we'll, we'll break out the old three hour episode for that <laughs> one. Um, hopefully have lots of awesome new info and reveals and trailers and footage and everything to talk about from uh, lots of exciting Star Wars projects. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, until then, we will see you guys next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody.